Hello everyone, welcome to episode 26 of Realm and Ruin, a Warhammer podcast. A podcast that is so Warhammer that we know where the Black Library is. Ooh. I'm your host Matt, <laughs> and joining me as always, a guy so mesmerising like Slanesh that he is the best podcast co-host ever. What came over me then? <laughs> I felt like I was in a bit of a trance then. <laughs> it's Cameron. How you doing, mate? Hi. Hi, everyone. I'm doing very well, thank you. It is ah, it's a nice, clear day. Everything is right with the universe. Slanesh is on pre-order. <laughs> uh, no, We're no, talking well. Warhammer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's good. How about yourself? You been doing all right? Yeah, I'm very good, mate. I'm sort of similar to you, doing stuff behind the scenes. You know, move. You know, moving bits around. You know, and all that sort of stuff gets uh, life into a bit more of a easier pattern, and so to speak. But no, I'm I'm grand. Uh, we're here to talk about Warhammer. Indeed. Which is the best subject <laughs> ever. <laughs> We're biased. Oh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are, episode 26. God, that time is flying. Mm. So what are we going to be talking about? Right, uh, we've got a short little hobby set- section, because I think we've only done a few little bits here and there. Yeah, I've been individually. Busy, uh with non-hobby things, so... <laughs> It's gonna there you be go. Not so great. We'll just do, we'll, we'll keep it light, and mm. then we're gonna obviously go into the news again. That's gonna be quite light. Mm. You know, it's been well. You know, for for GW standards, it's been it's been quite <laughs> light. So again, we'll have a you know a relatively short news section. But I suppose that's yeah. a good thing in a way because mm. for our main law topic, we're going to be talking about Vigilus Ablaze. It's mm. on fire, everyone. <laughs> and then for the discussion topic at the end, we're going to be poking the Bretonian bear by asking the question. <laughs> by a very asking controversial the question. question. <laughs> yes, a very controversial one. We're basically asking, law-wise, should Bretonians return to AOS? And mm. be warned, we got a lot of responses to this yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, everyone wants to talk about this. <laughs> yeah so yeah that'll be our discussion topic at the end uh so before we get stuck into the main bit uh if you enjoy what we do enjoy this episode you can find us on itunes giving us five star review is greatly appreciated if you feel we deserve it uh if you want to support us you can find the link down in the description at coffee.com Again, any any donations or support we get just goes back into the show. Always greatly appreciated. Uh, our main social media channel is the old twitter.com, and you can find us on there at Realm and Ruin. There's also facebook.com slash Realm and Ruin as well. Uh, our lovely, glorious, gorgeous, <laughs> full of amazing people Discord server. You're always welcome to join that. Uh, you can, mm-hmm. f- again, find the link down in the description. Um, and talking to Discord, I did, I think I mentioned it last episode that mm. we've set up a new little channel on there. So basically, if you join the server, you can basically ask us a question, anything. Mm. I mean, probably mm. Warhammer related, but it doesn't have to be <laughs> um, <laughs> if you don't want it to be. Uh, and because we've got a bit of time, I'm going to th- throw out a question to both yeah. of us. I've picked Let's one at it. random. Yeah. Let's do it. So again, I've picked this one at random. So. You know, if your question's not been picked, don't worry, we'll get around to them all eventually. It's just, just pick <laughs> one. <a> lot. <laughs> uh, so, friend of the show, Red Shadow, he has mm. basically asked, what is our preferred reading medium? Uh, ebook, audible, paperback, 
ticker tape <laughs> his question i mean i mean i suppose this is a general question but i suppose mm. we can relate it obviously to all the books that we read yeah, warhammer yeah. why so uh, yeah cameron what, what cool. do you do uh i definitely prefer paperbacks uh i have tried to do audiobooks and my brain seems to drown them out half the time uh and <laughs> ebooks don't capture me for some reason i've read one book for the show on ebook which was um i think it was city of secrets the uh the little shorter novella about the um city in the realm of metal was it excelsis excelsis yes that's the one i'm trying to there's a lot of information floating around that brain um for for me like the act of scrolling on a screen is something i do to pass time not to like super engage with whatever i'm looking at unless it's particularly like flashy and eye-catching and with an ebook it's just words on a white background so it doesn't yeah it seems to have difficulty keeping my attention but i have always loved reading uh, books in physical format since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, although I didn't actually read much until I was about six, and then I just started one day, apparently. Uh, and never stopped. And never stopped. <laughs> uh, that was the year my family found out a book will always be a good gift. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, for all, all the books we do on the show, except for the uh, City of Secrets, I get paperbacks or hardbacks because I just love having books. I also really like going back to books time over time instead of having to download it i can just go to a shelf look at all these lovely stories i've collected and pick which one i feel like rereading at the time yeah 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 mm. cool uh, no that you make, might makes have sense. a different uh, different answer though so what's your preferred <laughs> i i do I, I do but it's more i'm actually in agreement with you i think my absolute preferred medium is paperback uh because i feel i absorb it much better mm. when i read it that way but obviously it is you know many oh, listeners will oh 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 incoming incoming call no, from the an uh, inquisition I that i set why did oh. i set an alarm for 4:30 on a saturday <laughs> afternoon what was i doing <laughs> who knows recording realm and ruin that's what <laughs> yeah this is probably the you forgot the recording alarm and i forgot the alarm not the recording Damn it. i thought it was the inquisition sort of checking up on me you know as i was about to reveal my answer but <laughs> right anyway. what was i saying um yeah yeah uh paperback yeah like i said is my preferred for most listeners you probably know that i probably absorb most of mine via audible um that's just purely because of time i like mm. I said it's not my real preference because i suppose similar to you i you know sometimes it's it's a bit harder to absorb it and mm. i think i've spoken to people on our discord server who say the same where they they struggle slightly with audiobooks i suppose it depends what you're doing i have a habit of listening to them either at work i've got mm which sounds a bit bad because you think, well, what am I doing? Because I work in IT, but I suppose it's just, if if I'm doing something a bit automated, I can, mm. you know, I can listen to it and absorb it. If I'm doing something quite obviously technical, then that's not going to happen. Yeah. But I do, at the moment, I do walk to work and back most days, which is in about 50 minutes to an hour mm. each way. So that's, yeah. you know, that's a good almost two hours I can listen mm. and just shut off. So Audible... Again, it's just purely for ease. Um, ebooks, I'm not really a massive fan of, and I think purely because of the price. Mm. I think I'd rather for the price buy the paperback because I suppose, you know, quickly going over to video games, I prefer physical copies over digital, even though mm. I know they're not as convenient. I'm just a bit old school and I like to get my hands on it. I feel like I've bought something. Whereas mm. when you buy something mm. digitally, sometimes you don't have a choice but i think sometimes i feel like yeah. i've got nothing tangible for my ah, money so yeah. ebooks are a bit like that i have read some you know i, mm. I do read them because mm. sometimes it's down to the economics like for example if a book over here is 
I don't know, say the paperback is £10, but the Kindle version is like one ninety nine. then to yeah. me, that's going to be a no-brainer. I'm going to buy mm. the Kindle one because yeah. just purely economics. But most of the time, it's the other way around. So, yeah. you know, for example, you know, most of the, the books over here, paperback, are around, well, they usually retail about eight ninety nine, but they, you know, mm. Amazon, et cetera, generally knocks them down to about £5 or so, whereas the Kindle, uh, the ebook version is about £10. So, again, I think, well, no, it's win-win. I get the paperback and it's cheaper. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so, so yeah, but <laughs> it, it, re- it does depend um like i've re- read a couple of paperbacks this week uh but yeah mainly audible for me but that's just convenience really the only slight downside probably my last point is with audible um you're always the problem is you're down to what they've got available yeah and i feel warhammer wise even though there's still lots of books out there especially if you include the heresy books i feel i'm starting to run out like i've mm. read you know i've or listened i should say i've listened to most of the big ones now so i'm getting to the point now where i'm like <laughs> Mm, I'm actually, you know, luckily, as we're going to talk about in a minute, like things like Plague War have now come out to Audible, so mm. I'm now where I know where to put my credits now. But um, but yeah, <laughs> that's my answer. So thanks very much, Red. Thank you for your mm. question. Yeah. Right, that's going to tie in nicely to the hobby stuff. What have you been doing over the last couple of weeks, mate? Yeah. Um. So to get get give some much needed context, uh, I have been. <laughs> Uh, busy organizing and completing a move with my partner of the last two weeks. So I've not had a lot of free time. Um, it would have been quicker and faster, but she was away on a festival. So I had to do the first week all by myself. Uh, and this is meant to be my holiday. So <laughs> I've also been trying to organize work for the next term. So things have been a little over the place. Um, I did a lot last episode though, so I feel I should be forgiven. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I did a I did a wee bit of modeling here and there uh, while I was cat sitting uh, and making sure the cat didn't die of loneliness for a week. Um, <laughs> I brought along some Slanesh stuff to work on. So my daughters of Cain slash Ooh. I guess head knights of Slanesh, not hosts of Slanesh anymore. Uh, force mm-hmm. is slowly but surely getting there. I mean, I built one demon at. <laughs> And I <laughs> added a little more to a Seeker Chariot slash Exalted Seeker Chariot slash Bloodwreck Shrine or whatever that'll end up being. Um, so I've decided because, you know, I'm doing the, the demon units coming out from under an order illusion kind of thing. So the Bloodwreck Shrine is actually a big chariot being the, the big slaneshi bladed chariot thing. So I've added like mm-hmm. demonette heads uh, spitting out chains on one side where normally it's just little sculpted gargoyle faces with chains beneath them. Uh, instead of wheels on that side, I've got a bunch of demonettes sort of half melded into the framework. Uh, so they'll be sort of pushing it along themselves. And then on the other side, we'll have the illusion of the wheel. Uh, that okay. kind of thing. Yep, pretty good. Um uh, I've also started finally getting some painting together. So back at Christmas, Aaron was amazing and got me a very old Chaos Knight from, I think, the year I was born, from 94. Uh, <laughs> the Chaos Knight hero on horseback, little squat guy holding up a big banner pole. So I'd, I'd gotten a banner on that. I'd picked out a Daughters of Cain shield from the Kinnerai kit. So one of those curved, sharp-looking shields with the Marathi-style rune on it uh, as a Chaos rune shield because... The old one was just a little triangle of plain plastic, basically. <laughs> no decorations or anything. Not very Slanesh. <laughs> um, and I've started painting him up, and he's, I'd say he's about 50% done. Like, uh, I've done most of his base. Uh, I've done all the basic stuff on the steed, uh, and I've done all his armor pretty much completely. So I'm really happy, because 
He is the shiniest thing I've ever painted. He's in this perfect sort of bright gold armor with sil- with a uh, light silver trim. Uh, and it actually turned out really well. I've never really done much mm. with uh, plain metallics before, but I'm happy with how bright and opulent and shiny he looks. And now it's just a matter of uh, filling in all the details, basically. Uh, but I'm especially, especially pleased with how his base is turning out, because as I'm pretty sure I've discussed before, I'm thinking well, I'm pretty much locked in now of putting the army in Shaman in the realm of metal. Uh, and so what I've done is I've kind of created this, well, I propped him up on a whole bunch of sprue off cuts effectively, but then I put Martian iron crust. So it looks like cracked, dead, dry earth slash almost like sort of petrified tree bark is kind of how it looks mm-hmm. actually. Uh, and then that's got a deep red color, obviously. And I've done a heavy brush of lead belter over the top. So it looks like areas where it's constantly being worn it's shiny metallic where it's rusty in the recesses given a bit of a wash yeah, with yeah. agrax earth shade and then uh which <clears> is a touch i didn't think i was going to do but i painted some gold veins running along like natural cracking in the paint and now it looks like he's sort of standing on this massive lump of iron ore with these sort of gold vi- veins sort of running through it and everything and i'm really happy with how it looks i'm trying to work some water effects uh so it looks like he's standing in front of sort of a, I guess, like a coppery, watery pool. Um, mm-hmm. Not sure how those will work out. Um, but we'll see. That That's going to take a few more layers of water effects to really build it up to an actual depth and get some actual shine in there. Uh, and I'm using little uh, flock tufts, little grass tufts for once, because uh, it looked a bit dead and bare otherwise. Uh, and I remembered I had some, and I looked in my cupboard, and I actually had about 130 grass tufts sitting on a little pallet <laughs> ready to be used. So I guess I've got plenty to base the army with. Um, <laughs> nice. Uh, which is pretty good. Uh, I also did some reading. Uh, I read Dreadwing, which was the Horus Heresy novella from the novella series about the oh, Dark yeah. Angels. Yep. yep. And it's sort of dealing with that point where they're making the decision of whether they should head for Terra or head back to Caliban, refuel, refuel and resupply, and then start wiping out more Trader Legion homeworlds, because at this point they've destroyed Chemos and Barbarus. Uh, yeah, And okay. then yeah. they're not sure what effect that's actually having on Legion morale, because there was no one defending those planets, basically. It's like, the Legions have stopped caring about their homes, all they care about is the, the Crusade of the Heresy. Uh, now, uh, so what do we do? Lion and... Turns out the lion is an enigmatic and uh, unreliable person, which I I didn't really know a lot about him. I knew, like, his origin story and the basics of what he did during the heresy and stuff, but I've never really read much directly about him. And Mm. he's this brooding guy who's unreliable. Again, if you need him, you can't find him. He'll only show up when he wants to. Um, Mm. And he's, he's always a bit mysterious in his motives and everything. He's he's a bit of a complicated character, actually. Mm. I think. <clears throat> excuse me. He's a bit. You know, he's one of those sort of characters where you think you <laughs> you think you know him, but he <laughs> really don't. No, but he is. He's a bit of an odd. He's a bit of an odd uh, Primarch compared to some a lot of the others. He, in the sense that, just like what you said, he he is very mysterious. And you you know, I suppose when we hey, it was ages ago when we spoke about whether mm. what happens if he had been the war master yeah. you know, would things have changed and, and and that's why it's a very i know it's a, deliberately a very ambiguous question but mm. also he's very hard to predict he you know he he's a he's a he's a moody sod when he wants to be right mm. <laughs> especially oh, yeah. through the heresy Absolutely. he's uh <laughs> you know he's got his own 
agenda but then i suppose that's quite fitting for the dark angels mm. they're obviously all about mm. uh, you know a very secretive chapter yeah. obviously these days and obviously we're back as a legion before you know so mm. yeah it's no surprise really yeah yeah um uh, it was pretty good uh it was probably my least favorite of the novellas i've read so far but it was still good it's just not mm-hmm. you know not reaching to the heights of like the red hours and war queen war queen and stuff like that um I, I want some of that war cream that you just said. War, war cream. No, no. War queen. Thank you. Thank you. Pronunciation, voice box, blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> uh, be on, that's our new sponsor. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rowaner and sponsor by war cream. <laughs> cream yourself oh, before you fight. <laughs> that's like uh, that's like that Game of Goo stuff. One of the uh, a podcasts I listened to used to promote something called Game of Goo, which was like deodorant slash antiperspirant for like video game players and like is that the is that the <laughs> okay. best phrasing you can use for your product really um, game book <laughs> yeah it was yeah. a bit weird um i also hey everyone it's slanesh pre-order day so i went and i pre-ordered Whoop. the head knights of slanesh battle tome uh which i'm very <clears throat> excited to read uh, i'm holding off mm-hmm. on the terrain and the endless spells for now just because you know gotta pay rent and everything uh <laughs> can't, can't spend all my money on Warhammer, unfortunately. I've got to be a responsible person <laughs> occasionally. Um, uh, but I did also order a plastic Great Bray Shaman uh, because, uh, spoilers, there's not really any mortal units in the battle time. It's almost entirely demons. And so instead of going, oh, cool, new light armor slash models or heavy armor slash models, I'm just going to start throwing Beasts of Chaos and Slaves to Darkness in there. Uh, so a great Bray Shaman to start off Beasts of Chaos, I think is going to be really good, especially because I believe they have a spell that forces an enemy unit to move, which mm-hmm. in, conjun- in conjunction with the Slanesh Endless spell that hurts you if you move away from it could be quite good. Um, <laughs> Sounds very so. fun. Yeah, it's going to be lots of fun, and I want to, especially since reading Black Pyramid, which has Slaneshi Beastmen in it, I really want to sort of build a little battalion that is like that, so I can do all the cool things like, you know, silver bangles in their fur and golden horns and hooves and things like that, all that kind of really cool stuff. Um, And then for the Slaves of Darkness, for like Chaos Warriors, I'll probably do like, use Stormcast armor and really slash it up, that kind of thing. Um, Yeah. Yeah, uh, might use uh, the Kyric Acolytes or something to build uh, Marauders. Uh, yeah, just that makes a lot of sense. Just because they look slash, you know, they're bare-chested, they're very classically beautiful, I would say, in their sort of super human musculature style. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just got to get rid of all those inch markings, it's fine. Um, yeah, 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 so that, there's, that's like the plans there for the, the mortals contingent. I'll rely on building my own stuff to represent Slaves to Darkness and Beast of Chaos stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. But, and there, there is very <clears throat> sad news here, um, the very, very venerable uh, Lord of Chaos on Demonic Steed of Slanesh has been removed from the Games Workshop store, as has yeah. the old Sigvold mini. Uh, which was Chaos mm. Lord of Slanesh on foot in Age of Sigma, they have been disappeared. Uh, Thanos clicked, and away they went, um, <laughs> yeah. apparently. <laughs> uh, which, which is a shame, because I was actually going to order a Sigvold mini this morning, along with the Battle Tome. Uh, but I 
I was smart. I thought ahead. I double-checked last night because I'd heard rumors that the mini might be being taken out of production, and I saw that two minutes prior to before I had checked, it had been expunged. Like, I, I still caught the link of Chaos Lord of Slanesh, but when you click on it, it says, Error, all records expunged. Uh, oh. uh, but before the price is raised, I got on eBay and got an old metal Sigvold, so even better, I won't have to contest with bubbly or bent resin, uh, and got him, <laughs> got him for twenty five pounds before the price inevitably goes up to about forty or fifty pounds by the end of the yeah, weekend. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm glad I got that in at least, and he'll be fun. Uh. Again, I'll just run him as a Chaos Lord on foot, or maybe an Exalted Champion of Slanesh. I'm not sure exactly what the Slaves to Darkness unit stats are like. So we'll see. Um. We'll see. Not long. Yeah, we'll see. Not long. No. Well. Um, I mean, I guess I can look them up now, actually, because the Slaves and Arches ones aren't going to change, presumably. No, that's um, true. Yeah. <laughs> just give them Marcus <laughs> Nash, give them the Legion's ability, uh, Legion's abilities, and they'll be good to go. Um, and some last minute hobby. Uh, I went in Ooh. to pre-order the Battle Tome and the Shaman today, obviously, uh, with the intention of just doing that and leaving. I, of course, got stuck talking to people. <laughs> Uh, watching two of my buddies <laughs> do, um, do a game of AOS, which was actually Sylvaneth versus Eidneth. They were both pretty well painted. Uh, the Sylvaneth was fully painted, looked amazing. Eidneth still a little more mm-hmm. to do, and it was just fun chatting with them. Uh, poor, my, uh, my buddy Graham unfortunately cannot roll a two up to save his life. Uh, <laughs> which is incredible, the number of ones he rolled in a row. Um, <laughs> But in, in all that, uh, someone else came and saw a guy named Adam, uh, wanted to do a game of Shadespire, and I went, well, you know, what, might as well, I'll, I'll use the, uh, the demo team, the, uh, the Storm-sized Cursebreakers from the Night Vault expansion, uh, and yep. he brought his Magor's Fiend, he had an optimized deck he'd actually built, I had the one from the starter box, which I had never looked at, so I played blind, but <laughs> Adam's great to play against, I had an absolute blast it was a ton of fun um it turns out the storm size curse breakers are actually a really really strong team i guess they have to be because there's only three three of them uh yep. and most teams average four to five so um but they all inspire really easily because they just inspire if they successfully cast a spell they can all cast spells in various manners uh and uh they get they get pretty punchy uh once they get inspired uh one of them goes up to damage three with a knockback on their main attack uh which took adam by surprise and i managed to take magor out but i didn't cause any more casualties i lost the game pretty handily but it it was fun um i i, I forgot because i haven't played shadespire in such a long time that shadespire is actually a really good game uh mm. <laughs> Yeah. It's really fun. Yeah. Uh, more warbands are out for it. More warbands are undoubtedly coming. Uh, speculation. Oh, yes. I really want to see a Slanesh <coughs> one. Come on, guys. Some really cool stuff there could be done there. <laughs> or, or an elf one. Daughters of Came would be cool. Um, yeah, but I, I gotta, I gotta get my, like, goblins painted and stuff and start actually getting into building a good deck and stuff and playing. Cause that was, that was great fun. It was fast. It was snappy. Good. It probably took us, like, 40 minutes total. We, like, yeah, took a break for lunch. Be. But yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, yeah, that's all my hobby. I've not, I've, like I said, I've not done a lot, but it's all been good. Yeah, well, see, you know, like as as I preach on this show, life gets in the way a lot, mm. especially when it comes to your <laughs> hobby stuff. You have to pick and choose what you can do. So, no, that sounds all very exciting. Um, right, what have I been doing? Uh, I'm still on my hobby hiatus. Mm. Uh, I, I have 
saying that greatly received the Nagaroth Nightmares, which yes. is the you know the Dark Elf Blood yes. Bowl team from my family as a sort of a little Easter gifts you know that we do for each other. Um, this sort of ties in with the fact that uh, I've said I think I've said before anyway that my the the guy that I work opposite with he's really into Warhammer and mm. he, he's a well, you know, so, well, I suppose he is a competitive card gamer as well. He goes to tournaments and plays a lot of the, you know, the sort of the card sort of games like uh, Legend of the Five Rings and Netrunner and all that sort of stuff. So he, um, like I said, but he, he does uh, play quite a bit of mainly the AOS side of stuff. And, you know, when I'm sort of back on the hobby trail um we're going to start going to, you know he, he goes to a local club we're going to start playing aos and things like mm. that so uh he's been i think i mentioned before like i said they're they're starting to do a blood bowl league there eventually and i i you know i probably played as much blood bowl as i did of any other game back when i was a kid i played the second edition i believe um the sort of the main i think it was second anyway the one that most people recognize when you see the box art for it with the big mm. ogre on it and yeah. so, yeah, you know, I, I thought, oh, you know, I thought I must get back into this again. This is something that you can quickly knock up. Um, and to be fair, I think it's probably the sort of place that they won't really care, even if you haven't got it painted, to be honest. Mm. It's just, oh, a, yeah. you know, somewhere take a team and play some games. So, uh, you know, when I'm back on it, I'm going to start working on those when, as and when I get time. Um, also, on that same vein, um, we were both talking about uh, Middle Earth stra- strategy battle game, which mm. obviously is the you know the Lord of the Rings Hobbit yeah. side of Games Workshop, and uh, which we'll cover sh- briefly in the news shortly. Is that the Battle Companies book is well, I think out today as of this recording, twenty mm, seventh yes. of April, mm. uh, which is basically the skirmish slash kill team version of Middle Earth, basically. Um, so he's looking to get into that again as part of this club, and you know. I'm easily influenced, uh, <laughs> like we all are, and uh, <laughs> yeah, we're weak. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so I'm, you know, again toying with that. I haven't bought anything, but we're sort of talking about maybe going halves on the the box set, which is I think is the Battle of Pelennor. I think is the name of it. Mm. Uh, so we're talking about that. Um, I mean, the, one of the advantages about the Middle Earth game is it's a lot easier to get into it for, uh, mainly from the mini point of view, because most of the minis are um, models are almost one or two pieces. Yeah. You know, a lot of the time you yeah. can buy a box of 20 odd and they're just literally just cut them off the, you know, you just cut the, uh, you know, the bottom bit, which used to be, you know, mm. would go into the, the, into the base and that's it. <laughs> you sort of go <laughs> right and then spray them and then get them painted, you know, which I suppose is, you know, a bit of a shortcut compared to obviously the very lovely intricate kits we have in the other games. But you know, sometimes that's that's what gets you to the tabletop. So, um, you know, so we're talk- we're in sort of talks about you know what we're going to do and and things like that. And you know, I'm a massive Lord of the Rings fan, so you know, it's just again something I'm you know mm. just researching in. I'm looking into the rules, seeing how it, the game works because I don't know really much about it. But it's got, supposedly got a very solid rule set for for people that are into the game. It's supposed and for people that are into it, plus they know. 40k and aos and things like that it's supposedly got the most solid or arguably one of the most solid rule sets compared yeah. to aos and 40k supposedly yeah, yeah. i mean my, uh, i'll find out when i learn more my local manager is a champion of the lord of the rings system uh as if any time <laughs> it's brought up 
he clearly demonstrates why it is the best combat system of any skirmish game to have ever existed. He's very enthusiastic, <laughs> like, and I love his passion, and one day I'm sure I'll actually play the game to find out if he's right. Yeah. Well, exactly. <laughs> I mean, he's, I, again, I think like a lot of the other games, there, there is a relatively low bar of mm. entry. Um, I, from my understanding, that say, say you wanted to get into battle companies, again, the skirmish, you need to get the battle companies book. Mm. You need to get your hands on the rule book, but obviously in turn that allows you to play the main game. And you could, there's basically, I think, two army books, one for the Hobbit, one for Lord of the Rings, but yeah. that basically covers all of them. It's similar, similar to the, the Horus Heresy mm. game, you know, where mm. it sort of covers a lot of armies. Um, but you know, you can get away with sort of, you know, six to eight models. And, <laughs> but I think he, I like the idea from what I've seen that the, even the main game itself is very, it's based about heroes and war mm. bands. So you pick, you know, your, your Legolas, your Aragon or, you know, Sauron or someone like that. And then it gives you an amount of soldiers or, you know, to have in your war band. And, mm. you know, I like, I just like that concept because that's sort of very yeah, thematic, yeah. you know, the, you know, it's not all about, uh, you know, battalions and uh, detachments <laughs> and all that sort of stuff so i really like that anyway um so that's a you know we'll see where i go with that yeah. um and lastly uh, switching up to reading and listening i finished the wicked and the damned mm-hmm. which is the warhammer horror novel i was talking about last show um and i think last show i said that i you know i wait to give my opinion until i fully you know well in this case listen to it mm. um interesting I would say, mm. um, I'm not bowled over by it, but then I'm not, you know, I'm not, not bowled over by <laughs> it. It's a, it's an interesting concept. The three is this particular story. Again, I won't really spoil anything. It's based about mm. sort of based three strangers that meet each other and they basically tell their tale of what, you know, what happened to them before they arrived to where they are right now. And basically, you know, they will, one's, one's a commissar, one's a, a sort of a, a, an officer in the in the Astra Militarum, and the woman's like a, I suppose what would he be classed as? Sort of like a priest or a missionary, yeah. yeah. As well, um, uh, they all vary. They're all by three different authors. Again, one's Josh Reynolds, one's Phil Kelly, and one's David Annadale. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, you know, I suppose they're all preference based. Like for example, I like the missionary one probably the best, which is the last one. Mm. Had a slight uh, romantic tone to it as well, which is quite interesting. Horror-wise, uh, hmm, I don't know what to say. I think it's difficult um, because ultimately, as we know with 40K especially, that there's just a lot of grim, dark, horrible stuff in it anyway. Yeah. I found it hard to separate it. There was, You can see where they've gone that little bit of extra, where, you know, a little bit of extra detail in mm. the, you know, the description of the, the horrible scene that's happening. But, you know, when you compare it to a lot of standard 40K and obviously AOS stuff, you're thinking it's not that much different, to be honest. Mm. But I feel sort of sorry for the author slightly because they are in a tricky situation. You know, if it was all sunshine and unicorns, then doing horror would be, (laughs) you know, an instant sort of difference. Whereas I think because of how grimdark it is, there's, you know, it is a, a hard task. And I think as a first effort, as part of this sort of first range of horror novels, it did it did okay you know like i said it's perfectly you know worth worth a go i just think it'll be, it'll be a sort of a genre or a subgenre within the black library that will get better as it goes on yeah. i think and i hope um yeah <laughs> i suppose without spoiling anything uh yeah 
So I, again, give it a go. Let's see. And I'm, I think what I'm going to do is move on to Maledictions when I get around to buying it, which is mm. the sort of the other sort of set of uh, little mini stories as well. So there's that. Um, what else? I read and finished Heart of Winter, which is mm-hmm. part of that same novella series as you were talking about Dreadwing. Yep. This one is by Nick Horth, uh, who I'm a massive fan of. Because <laughs> I'm a massive fan, fan of uh, City of Secrets yeah. and in turn Callus and Hull. Mm. Uh, it's all part of the same, you know, sort of overlapping characters. And this is the same. It's based on the the sort of elven corsair fleet master that's mm. part of uh, the other two novels, especially Callus and Toll. Uh, she's a fantastic character. Mm. I love her. Um, and this novel was just more of the same. And the, I think his novels in this you know i'm not familiar with any other things he's written if he has but the you know if i pick these three mm. these two novellas and uh the novel um callous and toll they he, j- he just hits that lovely sweet spot where yeah. he gives you enough detail but doesn't drone on that sometimes mm. some novels do he gets that right you know where you get you pr- com- as we did when we covered city, city of secrets you completely absorb the place you you know you can instantly go you know what i've i'm you know i've not seen this place but I can totally get what you're saying. Yeah. And then you can totally get the characters. You know, you will get, you know, themes in this. It feels like you're, you're reading a, an AOS version of Pirates of the Caribbean, but it, that's not a bad thing. And, uh, <laughs> that sounds pretty good. And, uh, <laughs> that, and yeah, you'll, you'll see what I mean if you, when you get, have you read Heart of Winter yet? No, I, don't know I if haven't. You have or not. No, I've got yeah, I, the last three, I think I still have to read two or three. I, I think it's just Bone Desert and Heart of Winter that I haven't read yet. Yeah. yeah so yeah get get i would i well you will get around to oh, it yeah. and, and <laughs> it's 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 really worth it it's such a good novel um and again you just you know it's just it's just the combination of characters and to be honest uh if anyone has been keeping track of our twitter i'm trying to get him to write an Idenet Deepkin novel as well, yes. um, oh, <laughs> because i think he'd be perfect for, for it. <laughs> it you know with the, with this sort of you know uh, this sort of theme really would really suit him mm. um We'll see. I mean, maybe he is working one. I don't yeah, know, but I'm, I'm going to keep it. pushing him. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. What else? Um, I've started the Buried Dagger, which is mm-hmm. the Excellent. most recent or oh, the last Horus Heresy novel, obviously before mm. it switches to the Siege of Terror, because obviously we were talking about covering it hopefully soon in the next sort of couple of months. Mm. Uh, I'm only a couple of hours in. Uh, really enjoying it so far. Yeah. Um, that's all I can really say. <laughs> you know, we'll wait until we mm. talk about it properly. And lastly, the two next audio books I'm going to listen to, which are ones that have just been released in the last couple of days, is finally Plague War, which is obviously the mm. second Dark Imperium novel, obviously about uh, Gilliman and Mortarian and what's going on in the 40k universe at the moment. Uh, I'm going to start that because I've been waiting for that uh, yes. to come to come out. And also Shadowbreaker has just come out, uh, which from what I can tell is a Death Watch novel and it's based about where they've come back from looking for an Inquisitor and they get involved with the Tau in some sort of way. Mm. Um, So, yeah, we'll see what that's like. Um, It's by an author called Steve Parker, which I'm not overly familiar with in Mm. the Black Library stuff, so I don't really know what he's done before. but, um, But yeah, that'll be you know worth a go so yeah that's what i've been doing excellent right it has been fun as always <laughs> uh right we'll <laughs> we'll take our first little break then uh and when we're back we're going to talk about what's been going on in the news back shortly and welcome back warhammer fans and fans of warhammer news 
because <laughs> we're gonna smash through it like a oh yeah like an orc trying to get to the bar <laughs> um <laughs> so yeah like we said at the start this is gonna be a relatively short news section because you know gw is just putting on the brake slightly it's only slightly though you know we've still got Extremely a few nice little things slightly. to yeah, yeah, yeah. Just literally slightly taking the foot off the accelerator, you know, literally just like an inch or so. So, uh, yeah, so we'll just go through what's been going on over the last couple of weeks. Um, to be fair, it's quite funny because I think from a 40k perspective, there's really not really been anything particularly happening. I think from what I can see really is obviously you've got the, the Unari index is coming to mm. White Dwarf in the next, what, this week coming? Yeah. Sorry, the, the May yeah. the May edition. So they're continuing this trend of obviously doing the indexes in White Dwarf. Mm. And, yeah, yeah, you know, for all the it. Inari Everything players. Everything else is just rumours at the moment. Yeah, so, yeah, so we'll, that'll be it for 40k. Uh, mm. So we'll move nice on. Exactly. <laughs> so we'll move on to AOS, which is probably where the most oh, of yes. the news is coming. And obviously it's very Slanesh dominant, as we're mm-hmm. expecting. And as Cameron and I were sort of gushing <laughs> about the battle tome in the break, or looking yeah. forward to finally getting yeah. our hands on it, I should say. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Can't wait. Uh, so, yeah, they've obviously shown off a bit more. Um, do you want to start with the, the Fane of Slanesh? Yeah. So this is uh, probably the coolest uh, terrain piece they've done so far, I think I'm willing to say. Because uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's just a big Slanesh symbol on top of a pile of treasure with a portal in the sort of the hole in the symbol and a giant Keeper of Secrets face sticking out. Um, <laughs> it's, pr- it's pretty radical. Uh, it's... It's got a couple of uses, uh, primarily if you summon in a unit and place it within a certain range of the fane, you get depravity points back for summoning, so you get a bit of a refund. Uh, but also, heroes can uh, sacrifice to it. They can cause a model wound to themselves, and on a two-up, they'll get re-rolls to hit for the rest of the game, uh, for the rest of the round, which is pretty good. Or, and uh, this is the one that's really getting people going, you can sacrifice an artifact to it, and on a two-up, you'll get re-rolls to hit for the entire game. Uh, <laughs> now, the combo that people are really thinking about here is you take a Keeper of Secrets, pardon me, and you give it one of the artifacts that prevents it from being shot at, or gives it a minus one to hit, but it's a one-use only. You give mm-hmm. your opponent the first turn. During that first turn, pop the artifact so that you can't be targeted. And then on your turn in the hero phase, you, <clears throat> you've used the artifact, but you still have it. So then the keeper can toss it into the fane and on a two up get rerolls to hit for the entire game. <laughs> essentially for free, because you've already made yeah. use of the artifact. Yeah. Uh, and there, there's also the, the other side of the thing where if you d- deal a mortal wound to yourself to get the reroll for a turn, that still generates a depravity point. So you get something points out of that as well, which is pretty good. Um, yep. Yeah, God, there's there's a lot of cool looking stuff. The endless spells also look great. Uh, my favorite stylistically has to be the mirror held in a giant hand because the idea is if you move away, it deals mortal wounds. But if if you move closer and you're a hero, there's a chance it will just delete you from existence because yeah. <laughs> God, what, what is it? if a hero's within six inches, you roll six dice, and for each six, you do a number of mortal wounds equal to the number of sixes rolled. So if you roll one six, they take one model wound. If you roll two sixes, they take four. Three does nine. <laughs> four does sixteen. 
Uh, five does 25 and six does 36 mortal wounds. Um, people have, people have math hammered this out and on average you get about, you get about one to two mortal wounds out of it. But Mm -hmm. there's a 0.6% chance that you just delete something with 36 mortal wounds, (laughs) which I can't imagine. Like, it's, it's never gonna happen for me, but I'm gonna have to take that mirror every game just for like control and the fact that it's hilarious like that. And again, uh, like I mentioned in the hobby, uh, a great Bray Shaman can force an enemy to move towards the mirror with Mm. a spell. So, ooh, who knows? Uh, or force them to move away from it, which I, guess would also deal mortal wounds to them um yeah which is pretty cool it's i, I, I think it's great i think it, like i said it's mm. so thematic and oh yeah it's it just it's interesting as well mm. i know that's a bit of a weird phrase or oh, it's a very interesting way of playing but it, i think when when we talk about the end of spells in a minute it it's mm. yeah i just think it's just the way that they've they've done sanash is i mean we'll see you know from a competitive point of view mm. or the people that are into that side of things i should say <laughs> we'll see you know how good or bad they are or how well they do but i think for you know for casual players this will just be mm. fun you know, this will just yeah. be a really really fun army and it's just the fact that you've got these very cool you know this very cool train piece that's probably the most striking i think of pretty much all oh, yeah. the train pieces we've seen <laughs> and you know the endless spells which we'll talk about in a second the Again, you know, very prominent looking things with very, mm. <laughs> very funky rules. And, oh, yeah. you know, they you can tell they put a bit of love into this, which is quite appropriate. Mm. Uh, right, <laughs> so, yeah, so talking of the endless spells. Uh, so they've announced the sort of three, well, we've seen mm. photos of them, obviously, but now they've sort of given us more details. So we've got the, the wheels of excruciation. Uh, yep. Which is those sort of ninja stars sort of things <laughs> rolling along. Um, <laughs> just got to put well, a little Asian assassin on that now. Yeah, wow. they look, they do. Look. <laughs> yeah, so um, cool. Yeah, yeah, they they quite some cool little nifty rules. They they you can basically, I think they got yeah, they can, you can cast them on a a roll of five. You can mm. they can move immediately, and their sort of main uh, rule about them is after they've moved, roll six dice for each unit that has any models. This model pass across. The unit suffers one mortal wound for each roll that is less than the, the unit's unmodified save characteristic. That is so awesome, yeah. especially for like, stuff like that the units. Yeah. are going to get mowed through. Mm. <laughs> so, oh yeah, <laughs> you know your 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 witch elves and things like that. Yeah, your, your yeah. Uh, blood reavers and things are just going to get abs- you know potentially get absolutely torn apart. So, mm. uh, th- very cool. Um, cool. And what else have we got? We got the mesmerizing mirror. mirror, which is yeah again nuke things with model wounds uh, and yep. movement shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God. And then we got the uh, the dreadful visage as well, mm-hmm. which is uh, very cool indeed. That's the um, that's the sort of big face one, isn't it? With the, yeah, the tentacles, with the, the tentacle hook things out the mouth. Yeah, which is which is interesting because it has a bubble of minus one bravery to yep. most units, but plus one bravery to slanesh units. So yep. also thinking of taking that to help shore up uh, beasts of chaos bravery issues. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, it does mortal wounds to things that get too close because it's. Got a mouthful of hooks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what did you expect? <laughs> yeah, well, that sort of does it, doesn't it? <laughs> mm. So yeah, so um, as of today, they're out for pre-order. Mm-hmm. Um, today being the twenty seventh yep. of April, so mm. all very exciting. Uh, and now talking of exciting, carrying on on the uh, the Sanesh carpet <laughs> of uh, pleasure, um, we have we've now seen. Uh, was it Shalaxi? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Hellbane? Yeah. 
yeah, which is the named keeper secrets, mm. which we see was seen hinted at uh, previously. Yeah, and I think uh, they did some uh, showing off earlier in the week in an article. But yeah, yeah. so what are you what are you thinking? Uh, they look awesome. They're they're interesting because we can see their rules now because they're up for pre order. Uh, and mm-hmm. the battle scrolls are there. They are a a more self centered keeper of secrets, effectively. Like they have the same basic stat profile. But all their abilities, instead of, like, allowing other Slanesh units to pile in and fight twice, for example, which is the normal Keeper of Secrets command ability, all Shalaxi's <laughs> things are involve pay attention to me and fight me. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the, the, she, uh, they do less attacks than a regular Keeper, um, but the attacks are generally higher quality. Like that, that yep. spear with the big reach and the d6 damage, uh, and <laughs> is better against characters is interesting. And, um, I think, I think the most interesting thing is instead of, I believe it's instead of a temptation, because a normal keeper can say to a hero, Hey, would you like plus one to hit for this turn? If you say no, I'm going to do d3 mortal wounds to you. But if you say <laughs> yes, there's a 50% chance you're deleted from existence next turn. Um, instead, uh, Shalaxi says, Hey, you have to charge me or you'll take D3 mortal wounds, mm-hmm. which is uh, pretty impressive as an ability. It really cements them as sort of this solo duelist. Uh, in, in particular, they've got uh, some good buffs to make them just more survival close combat. Like they'll have a three up save. They've got 14 mm-hmm. wounds, three up save. Um, the 14 inch movement as well on both Shalaxi and the regular Keeper of Secrets is pretty, pretty slick. I'm going to say. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, and also, they're one of the first special named characters to have war gear options, I've noticed. Yes, um, yeah, you, yeah. You don't have to take the shield. You can take a whip instead for a missile attack and minus one to hit on monsters that face you in combat, which mm-hmm. is actually pretty good. Uh, yeah. Although, this one yeah. thing I can't figure out is why that kit has two whips, because they're both left-handed whips from what it looks like. Yeah, but I'm assuming it's just... They look exactly the same as well. Oh, do they? I, yeah, oh, okay. like I, I looked at the sprue, it looks like it's just two copies of the same whip. I'm like, I don't know what's. Is that just to fill mm. space or something? Who knows? Uh, <laughs> mm. We'll see. Yeah, it, it's it's such a gorgeous kit, honestly. Yeah, like regular yeah. keepers, fantastic. Shalaxi's fantastic as like a character monster hunter thing. I I, oh. I think they're better, to be honest. It, it, mm. Yeah, aesthetically, I prefer uh, Shalaxi to the normal. I mean, okay. the normal one is fantastic. I just yeah. think. I don't know. Um, if, if I suppose the my best way I can describe it is, I'm less repulsed by okay. this one. <laughs> like, it in, looks something a little about less the, weird to you. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, like I said before, when we covered the the initial Shanesh stuff uh, last mm. episode, I think that when I was looking at the Keeper Secrets, I was sort of mesmerised. You know, it's that sort of like, yeah. ooh, I'm repulsed, but I can't not look sort of situation. Yeah, yeah, Where Shanesh, yeah. I'm a bit, I feel like I'm looking at a picture of them now, and I feel like... Yeah, I can, you know, I, mm. I'm more on board with it. You know, like, if I had to choose one to, you know, to have, I would, yeah. purely putting rules aside, I think just I would pick Shalaxi, but they're both they're both amazing-looking models. Let's not yeah. take it away from yeah. either of them. I'm going to gonna, I'm gonna have to find a way to magnetize that kit just to be able to switch out, like, just the, <laughs> the optional hands, I think. Yeah. On a Keeper yeah. of Secrets. Uh, also, yeah. you, you can see the 360 view now, and it's not as straight and narrow as it looks. Like, there's actually quite a lot of movement if you look at it from the side, which is nice. Um, mm-hmm. God, it's such a it's such a gorgeous kit. I, I personally really love is. the weirdness of the base keeper. I see where you're coming from with Salaxi, but yeah. like 
Oh god, I, 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 I'm, I'll eventually get to one for Shalaxy, one for a normal one. Mm. I know. Or yeah. <laughs> also, uh, also they can be mortal wound machines because uh, they yeah. they used to have delicate precision to reroll wound rolls of one, but instead now it's wound rolls of six. Just do flat mortal wounds equal to the damage of the attack. Uh, mm-hmm. Which on on the pincers on the on the big cl- crab claws means a flat five mortal wounds at the top bracket if you roll a six to wound. Which is nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I've, I've just looked at the price of both Keeper uh, Secret yeah, and Shalaxy. Are, 85 pounds s- over here. Ooh. They are the same price as all the other greater demons, which I guess mm. at least it's yeah, consistent. Yeah. Also, also they're tall as hell. Like, they are uh, almost half as tall again as the Bloodthirster kit, I think. Or at yeah. least Scarbrand on foot. Well, just looking <laughs> at it, I'm just looking at the prices. Uh, Compared to the others, uh, let's have a look. Because it's more expensive than the Bloodthirster, mm. more expensive than the Lord of Change. Um, it's definitely so, the same as the Great Unclean one, then. Okay. Sure. Uh, yeah. 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 So, uh, again, UK prices uh, Bloodthirster and Lord of Change are £70, and the Great Unclean ah. one and the Keeper of Secrets are £85. So, yeah. yeah. So those, those, that's those new Greater Demon new. prices. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> a few years makes cool. a difference. Uh, yeah. It certainly does. <laughs> uh, right, what next? Uh, we've got, uh, obviously, the uh, the Xerxes Demon Prince of Sinesh. <laughs> God. I love <laughs> these. It? Silesk? Silesk. Yeah. The Vengeful uh, Allegiance, which mm. is... God, what a name. What, what um, a great name. Yeah, like, we'll dive into their lore next episode, I guess, but, like, yeah. from what we've been told, it's actually a really good story <laughs> about, like, why yeah. the two of them are one creature. Um, yeah. And again, re- really cool. Uh, they, I, I think I like how this works as a two creatures as one thing, because you get to pile in and fight once, and then you can choose to pile in and fight with the other set of attacks later. Yeah, that's very um, cool. Or I believe in 40k, it's if you consolidate, you can then fight with the other set of attacks. So you'd have to wipe a unit, I guess, with one, mm-hmm. then consolidate into another unit. But that's 40k yeah. rules, not Age of Sigma rules. Yeah. There. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Which is, yeah, another thing to add, obviously, now that mm. the War Scrolls are coming out for, obviously, AOS, obviously, they're doing data sheets for these uh, units in 40k as well, which is very mm. cool. So you can obviously use them in both. Yeah. Um, and then obviously yeah. the last thing they've shown a bit more information about is the contorted epitome. Yeah. Which is um, the one thing that, well, confused me for a while because I, <laughs> I said on Twitter, I was like, is this, mm. a, is this a train piece? Because uh, I mean, <laughs> I thought it wasn't. I thought it was a unit. And we were, we were mm. sort of going, well, it's got a base. It's, it can, it can uh, reflect mortal wounds. Uh, yeah. It's got to yeah. be a unit and it is. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the best unit in the book. I'm going to call it now. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, it's ridiculously good. Like, it's not bad in combat for a start. It's got, like, nine Demonet Claw attacks and a few other attacks. Um, mm-hmm. yep. but the big thing, the big thing is it swallows mortal wounds on a two plus. It ignores mortal wounds. So it's basically yep. indestructible against, like, <laughs> specialized firepower. Like, you can shoot as many spells at this as you want. Nothing's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> but for it's me, amazing. the big thing is it casts two spells and it can unbind two spells, the same as a Keeper of Secrets, which is huge. And mm-hmm. its its base spell is Overwhelming Acquiescence. I, I've got this memorized. This is how important I think this unit is. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, looking at the war scroll as you're yeah, saying yeah. this. <laughs> it's Overwhelming Acquiescence, which is a casting value of seven. Tell me if I slip up. Yep. 
Then you pick D3 enemy units within 24 inches visible to the caster. Yep. And you get to re-roll wound rolls of one against those D3 units with everything in your army. Uh, It's attacks. Oh, Into your next hero phase. Sorry, not wounds, attacks. Yeah. So effectively. Almost there, Cameron. Almost there. (laughs) It's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like Doom for the Eldar, the psychic power. Uh, you basically pick a unit, or in this case, D3 units, and you go, these units are getting shredded by everything. <laughs> like, sheer <laughs> yeah. number of attacks. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, it's, it's good. It's a really good unit. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, you, yeah, you can re-roll hit rolls of one for attacks that target those units into your next hero mm. phase. So, yeah. 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 Excellent. Um, all very cool. All very cool. All very cool. No mm. dice, which makes me a little sad, but yeah, I guess they were too terrifying to look at. Or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, like obviously this is your opportune moment. Jump on the war scroll cards because obviously they're always limited, so they're out now. Obviously mm-hmm. the mask is because uh, was temporarily off the site yeah. and is now back on there. Obviously, uh, it looks like obviously the what's it the infernal entrap in Rapturous Yep, uh, is there as well because yep. that's from uh, Wrath and Rapture, isn't it? So yeah, yeah. that's there on there as well. And uh, are yeah, coming, so, which is nice. Yeah, they're on pre-order as well. Mm. Um, yeah, they're all there. They're all there. Go crazy. They're all good. <laughs> Ooh, actually, that Dean Rapturous would be pretty good because she's um she's a missile unit that generates depravity points in Age of Sigma, I think. Which means you can sit her back next to a fane, and every turn she can do a mortal wound to herself, generate a depravity point, generate a depravity point for being an infernal Rapturous, and then she can re-roll <laughs> all her hits with shooting. Because of the fame. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, she's got <laughs> harmonic alignment. So at the start of your hero phase, you receive one depravity point for each friendly uh, Inferno and in Rapturous uh, that is on the battlefield and part of a Snesh army. Mm. So, yeah. And yeah. then obviously you got all the different range attacks as well. So, mm. and she's freaky and very cool. She's extremely <laughs> freaky. I love her. All right. Um,. <laughs> And then we have some actually really interesting news. Uh, speaking of mm. Shade Spire and Warhammer Underworlds, it's it's coming to a console near you? Question mark? PC. I think, uh, it's PC P- at first. It's PC I'm, at the moment. I'm sure yeah. it'll be consoles eventually. But uh, yeah, we're getting yeah. Warhammer Underworlds online, which... Yeah. Honestly, the, the when I saw this, I immediately thought of Hearthstone uh yeah as just like an online competitive tactical game i know know they're very different ones purely cards and this one's more of like a turn-based strategy but like i think this will be really good honestly yeah (laughs) like i'm really yeah i do i i I, i'd agree with you because i of all the video because obviously we do see a lot of video games for warhammer now and Mm. again i know we're repeating ourselves but they're always a bit of a mixed bag yeah and I'm actually very excited. This is actually one of the, you know, there's few where I read them like, oh, that'll be cool. And because mm. uh, let's be honest, they sometimes go one route or the other where they, they either, you know, put a lot of effort into them and they become very successful games or they sort of stay in early access for ages and never yeah. and sort of fizzle out. And, yeah. and, and hopefully it's not, it's not going to be the latter in this case, but from what I've read, uh, the studio, which I can't remember, something to do with Skies and mm. and stuff, Steel yeah, Skies Steel and Sky. all that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. They're based in Australia, I believe. Oh, And cool. um, they, uh, 
Uh, do, do, you know, do you know them? Um, no, I don't, I don't know them personally. Go, I, know, I do know people in the Australian games industry, so I can probably <laughs> find someone who knows someone who knows someone from there. Well, there you go. It's possible See, I could find, an, find a connection. <laughs> well, I, I've... Well, I've uh, I've emailed them already, yeah, asking we'll for see if they can they'll give us a review copy potentially because <laughs> I would love to you know check this out and talk mm. about it on the show. Yeah, but we'll see. And yeah, it, I mean, from what I gather, it, they're getting to faithfully do this game. Yeah, uh, in the sense that it you know because obviously when they do video game versions of these types of games, obviously they can often you know mm. maul them a bit and yeah. completely over change them where supposedly it's going to be pretty like you know in the sense that like similar to what you're saying about uh hearthstone or you know compared to mm. like magic the gathering for example where you know there's an online version and it you know give or take it's pretty much the same as playing the tabletop version it's yeah. just you can go online and find people and that's mm. going to be the main advantage of it you know where <laughs> okay you man you know you were lucky to play earlier because someone walked in and said can i yeah. play you know yeah, warmer exactly. underworlds Whereas for some of us, uh, it's not so easy, uh, potentially. Mm. So if you can go online and, and you know, we just arrange a game and, and mm. get on it. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm really excited I'm, about I, this. I'm excited for two big reasons. The first one is I think Shadespire or slash Underworlds, I should probably use the proper term, is like, <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's probably the best system Games Workshop has to be translated directly to like a video game medium. Because mm. it, yeah. it is, it is yeah. literally a very strict turn-based rpg with strict hex-based movement there's not like measuring inches or anything like that that you'd have to abstract to hexes or anything like note that you just move a certain number of hexes it's got like set rules uh, as in like you know there's not a massive number of cards that i mean there are a massive number of cards but like it's it's not as extensive as i would say is the potential combos between special rules and stratagems and things like that in 40k or between all the army allegiances in age of sigma it is like you have the abilities on your fighters cards you have whatever's in your hand in terms of power-ups and power cards and that's it that's what you've got so it's not like overly complex there's not a lot Mm -hmm. of stuff to like statistically balance out i guess like yeah but most importantly, I want to see Shadespire come to life. Like having, just like last episode discussed, the novel Shadespire, having read all that awesome stuff about the city, I <laughs> want to see what it looks like, like what this vision of it is, because the little trailer they did was pretty promising. It's kind yeah. of how I imagined all like dark green light, light, this sort of ruined edifice of a city with mist and fog and um some storm cast trudging through it. <laughs> It's like, I, I want to see all the warbands running around and stuff. Like, I, I want to see cool animations and things like that. I want to see... Uh, that's that's my favorite thing about Games Workshop video games as it is, is seeing these worlds, like, moving and brought to life. Yeah. It's always really cool. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. Shadespire's perfect yeah. for it. Uh. <laughs> I agree. And and I think one last thing is they made a point of saying that not the warbands won't necessarily come in out in the same order as the tabletop. Mm. So there may not be a, you know, Stormcast one straight away i mean they probably would be but oh, they yeah. may not be <laughs> so we'll see and obviously talking about the new about warbands obviously the as of today the caradron overlord one and the mm-hmm. sylvaneth one are out yeah. for you to to buy as well which is really cool <laughs> um so that's aos so we'll just move on to the sort of other stuff really so about mm. half a dozen little things that we can uh briefly mention uh as i said in the my hobby section the middle earth Strategy Battle Games Battle Company's book is now out to buy as of today, I believe. Yep. Um, again, that's the skirmish kill team version of the game. So, mm-hmm. uh, again, the key thing <laughs> is you still need a copy of the rule book. It's, yeah. It doesn't 
do the rules for you. It just sort of tells you the war bands or sorry, battle companies and mm. such mm. like. So, uh, what's next? Uh, Ooh. the chaos warlord, war, warlord, Not warhound warlord. titan. Good Lord, don't get people's hopes <laughs> Not up. yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> people are like, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, the warhound titan. Yeah. The, 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 the good soon. boy has come home. Uh, he's been found. <laughs> Uh, I, I was kind of gutted. I was kind of gutted when I got back in and I heard that it had been removed while I was kind of away-ish from the hobby because, like, that mm. was always my favorite. To me, the Chaos Warhound Titan is like the best of like the Forge World Titan range, and I, I can't explain why I like it the best out of all of them. But I feel it's the combination of what a Warhound is and like all the extra work done to make it a Chaos Warhound. Like, it looks mm-hmm. it it looks fantastic. It's one of the best giant models they've ever done and to have it come back is awesome i still won't get one but i'll be happy that people <laughs> other people can if someone would like to send me one i like i can do an exchange where i'll pay like three pounds a month and you send me first a couple of toes then maybe a piece of shin armor or something i'll I'll do that sure i'll, just, I'll do conquest, and then by 2030 the you'll have it yeah <laughs> god I, I would actually go all in on a conquest style subscription for a titan God, that'd be so yeah, good. <laughs> it would work. <laughs> Build it from the ground. Uh, and, exactly. And then continuing about Titans, the Doom of Molech or Molech uh, is now out as part of the Adeptus Titanicus game. Uh, yeah, you know, it's another sort of mm. campaign book. So again, if you're into that, because uh, I know that the, obviously the, the Grandmaster edition is on a second run at the moment. You can, Thing by the look of it, they still you can still order it off the GW site, and obviously a few indie stores are still stocking it. So if you missed it the first time, it's out there again, you know. But obviously mm-hmm. on a limited scale. So yeah, if you're into that, go on it. Um, and then recently, and I think is it still going? The big community survey, uh, 2019. It might be I, going it? for a few more days. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it was up for Something. a couple of weeks. So yeah. So probably, you probably still got time to put in your survey. Obviously, as we remember from last year, this is how we pushed for things like Plastic Sisters and mm, and yeah. things like that. So if you've not done the survey, go do it because it shows they listen. Whether mm. you know, oh, yeah. they won't always obviously enact what <laughs> everyone wants. That's just not the way life works. But at the same time, uh, actually, I think it's over. Joey, just oh, looking at the shame. thing. Shame. Yeah, because it, uh, it was but, on, on the 21st. Yeah, Shame. Cool. Uh, but if you did enter, you're in the running to win a Sisters of Battle box or an entire army. So good yeah. for you. Yes, I, please. If any of you win <laughs> and it's not me, oh, you'll get it. Oh. Uh, oh. <laughs> 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 so yeah, so we'll see. I mean, I, I mean, well, I mean, obviously, it was quite a tailored survey. Mm. You know, it was sort of quite. You can see what they were pushing for. Um, was there anything like without going into massive detail? Was there like one prominent thing you thought you, GW, you need to hear this? Um, not particular. I mean, I will, I will always say, Hey guys, adjust Australian prices a little bit. I understand we have to be a little bit more expensive because like owning land here is awful. Uh, but like, <laughs> come on, a little much. Um, but I don't want to grouse on too much about that. I mostly said things like, Give Chaos Lords and Sorcerers in Death Guard disgustingly resilient. Come on. <laughs> please. Um, and, you know, like more, more regular, but more well thought out point adjustments, I think would probably be a good thing. Uh, in particular yeah, for 40k. Same. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, 
as yeah. far as as far as AOS goes, I think they're doing pretty good. 40k, they're doing yeah. pretty good, but it could be a little more creative. I think was part of it that I put in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That sort of that slightly echoes some of the things I said. I was I was sort of pushing for more narrative stuff because mm. um, I mean the competitive side is always a competitive side. Obviously, that's all about balancing rules and points and that's yeah. just its own thing whereas i think narrative which is that sort of nice sweet spot um just do more of the same you know obviously yeah. we're seeing yeah. stuff like vigilus and and things like that so we are seeing it um you know so and we've had things like malign portents and all mm. that sort of stuff mm. over on the aos side so yeah more of the same i think the main thing i'd push for which is not really going to happen but it's just more something i'd say is again just when it comes to like the sprues and the injection points, you know, sort of, mm. you know, I know it's all down to machinery and they're obviously they've got their own limitations, but I still, where injection points are on models still irks me, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and it makes things <laughs> difficult. So again, I'm, I, I don't think that's going to change. It was just more of a, just, I had to say it, but, yeah. uh, but no, overall very positive. You can't, mm. can't not be really. <laughs> uh, right. Okay. Uh, last couple of <laughs> last little bit really is um, now obviously we, it's been hinted, obviously, mm. a little while ago that they're doing a new paint-related product, you know, or something mm. that involves you getting your miniatures done quicker and easier in some sort of way. Um, we've seen a new trailer, uh, which is based, obviously, a spoof of The Matrix, yep, uh, which yep. is really funny. <laughs> um, and it's the key point it was pointing or pushing was contrast. Yeah. Uh, do you feel any... You can guess any more about what this I'm, could be? I'm going to go... I'm going to combine a couple of guesses I've heard uh, online because this is what I think it will be. A lot of people are saying it's probably an app. You're correct. I'm 99% sure this is an app of some kind. But it's not like an AR app where you can lay over and test out paint schemes on gray models. It is an app where you can paint a base color or model, decide what the main color you want to be, and then point the camera at it and it will select a number of good contrasting colors for you that would work well with that initial base color so you don't have okay. to like agonize yeah. over what's a good choice for this what's a good choice for that if, if you're not picking like say a specific chapter or anything like i know i want my marines to be orange but i don't know mm-hmm. what <laughs> works with orange and so you paint them you paint them orange get the right orange that you want and you take a picture and the app goes this shade of insert color that matches well with orange blue yeah this this shade of turquoise <laughs> blue would be good to go you can buy this at your local i think it'll be something like that because like other things people have been like maybe it's a xenothal spray and like that's yeah. they sell that though because you can buy a can of chaos bra- black or mechanica standard gray <laughs> and then from above mm. gently spray corax white and you've done a xenothal yeah highlight yeah so, that's true uh, i'm not so sure on that one yeah. no <laughs> i mean you could be right i mean I when I say I hope it's not that mm. as in the app, yeah. As in yeah. I wouldn't obviously I would never say no to it because mm. I think that's great for and there'll be a lot of people that benefit from it. I suppose I I hope it's something more than that. But you're probably right. I mean mm. I'm in this sort of dreamland where <laughs> they're gonna, which I've said before, where they're gonna hopefully do something which is that middle ground between rattle can and airbrush, yeah. where it's where you don't have to worry about taking a rattle can outside and worry about the weather and, and conditions, but then it's not like the complexity of an airbrush where, you know, mm, where you can mm. quickly um, smash through uh, base coating and undercoating, priming and things like that, where you can just quickly get that done. Because to me, that's often the, you know, can be the lethargic bit or 
laborious bit, I should say, yeah. of the of getting the models done to then obviously do the you know the more detailed sort of stuff. Uh, I'm again, I'm probably in Dreamland. That's probably <laughs> never going to happen. And you're you're right. It's probably just going to be an app which helps with coloring, which again is not a bad thing. Um, but we'll see. I'm sure they're going to reveal. Well, I think they're sort of hinting at it about at Warhammer mm. Fest actually. Um, which I will be there with yeah. some of our lovely Discord people and obviously hopefully some of the listeners out there. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see. So that's, that's on the 11th and 12th of May. So, yeah, we're a, a, hopefully a few weeks away from that. Um, so, yeah, that's been the main bit of news. Like I said, it's been very Sanesh heavy, as we expected, <laughs> and it's going to be quite cool because obviously we're hopefully going to be that is going to be our next episode <laughs> when we talk about the mm. the head of knights law which is, we cannot wait to get into um mm. right and uh talking of law we're gonna <laughs> just take our next little break uh before we get into the main law topic so we're gonna be returning back to vigilus we're going back uh where it's gonna get hot in here but don't <laughs> take off your power <laughs> armor back soon <laughs> And welcome back. It's time to return to Vigilus. We're back to everyone's favourite, not at all, lot going on planet. (laughs) 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 So, yes, as promised, we're going to be talking and going through Vigilus Ablaze, which is the second book in this series. Uh, If you're not familiar with it, uh, go back to our episode 20, where we covered through Mm. the first book, Vigilus Defiant. And we went through all the lore and the locations and yep, factions yep. that are all duking it out <laughs> yeah, on Vigilus. Yeah. Uh, we will, so, uh, just a heads up, we're not doing locations in this one because the, yes. the summary is they're like from episode 20, but on fire now. Yes, that's right. Just <laughs> that's keep about, it simple. That's about the gist of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So just to keep it you know, to a reasonable length, we're just going to basically cover the actual story of, you know, the mm. set of events now what that's happening in Vigilus Ablaze. So again, if you want to sort of check out the locations and sort of get the general gist of them mm. and you haven't listened to it already, go back to episode 20 <laughs> and you'll sort of get a, an idea of what's going on. And obviously, and with the factions mm. as well, you know, we know what, you know what they're up to because <laughs> there's plenty <laughs> of them <laughs> in this. Um, and one thing I just wanted to quickly say, actually, slight little plug, but I, I, I I think it's only right to do it is um, that uh, the, the actual book Vigilus Ablaze was g- lovingly supplied by Alchemist Workshops. Um, if you're again familiar with the show, they're the guys that did our last competition prize when we gave away yeah. Urban Conquest uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, they're an amazing guys. Really, they are. They're, like I said, they're mm. sort of the place that I buy all my models from now. And go check them out. Like I said, they're in the link will be in the description, alchemistworkshop.com. I mean, they're, they're based here in the UK, but they obviously do supply other places. And, you know, with that, and just basically saying it is they're probably the best priced uh sort of indie retailer of warhammer out there <laughs> and, and, and so they do great service as well so big thanks to them for helping provide this book to us mm. so let's get stuck into it cameron let's go yes, it's, it's getting start. hot <laughs> 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 so we're going to start with doom from the skies so as we know you know the defenders of vigilus uh, at this point of having been of during the war of the beasts which is uh, the first sort of main conflict in Vigilus, uh, they've had to deal with multiple enemies all at one time, <laughs> including the orcs, yeah. obviously invading <laughs> from the wilds, being very uh, orc-like, I would say. Mm. Uh, so 
Despite losing half their numbers, I, I mean the orcs, uh, thanks to mainly the Space Marine chapters that were coming down, like the, you know, the White Scars, the Dark Angels, etc. Um, the, as we know, orcs are extremely stubborn and, you know, despite losing, like I said, half their numbers, they naturally will just sprout more orcs. That's what they do. We know what they do. So as we know, again, the leader, uh, Cruel Dacker is the supreme, well, the Speed Lord Supreme, as he's currently known, uh, you know, kept on the move during this part because obviously he would be a main target uh, as he knew, as he knew himself. But obviously the Imperial defences were being stretched by, you know, Gene Steeler cults, Orcs, Eldar would get involved, Drakari were getting involved. Uh, so again, they were completely stretched and, and basically couldn't afford the resources to try and take him down properly. So, you know, it, and to the point even the, the Imperial Knights wanted his head for all the destruction that he'd caused upon them. Uh, but, you know... It, at this point, his head was still on his shoulders when chaos turned up, just to Yay. add to the mix of confusion going on, which obviously <laughs> is the prominent bit of this story. So, uh, just but just before we get on to chaos, sw- switching briefly back to the pauper princes, which is obviously the uh, gene stealer cult that has basically completely taken over certain parts of Vigilus, you know, through the War of the Beasts. Uh, they, you know, surged and sprouted from the dark to capture, you know, important streets, dockyards, and purification plants, and basically anything that completely disrupts the the planet uh the astra militarum and space marines have defended but again like the orcs more keep coming with the gene stealer mm-hmm. cults as well you know it's just the way it is you know there's you know in particularly in a place called dirkton uh pure strain gene stealers are completely taking it over you know they're literally just scouring the streets there so mm-hmm. uh also the pauper princes they took over basically a what's known as the like a basically a space elevator at the yeah. mega at mega borealis <laughs> Space elevator always sounds really cool. Um, oh, so cool. <laughs> it really is. Uh, you know, when I mean with the space elevator, you've got basically this this contraption, which we'll talk about a bit later, which basically takes water from frozen asteroids, which mm. again is very badass. <laughs> uh, the the as you'd imagine, the local propaganda take advantage of all these all these shenanigans going on. Uh, basically, show basically showing both the orcs and the gene stealer cults as savages, and you know the xenos coming here, but let's be honest, they were doing it to basically cover up the embarrassment of how they were dealing with the defense of Vigilus because they weren't doing a particularly good job at this point. No. Because <laughs> uh, it, all it's done is highlight the weakness of the planet, ultimately. So basically on top of these Xenos, the, like I mentioned, the Drakari, they were you know raising through the south. You've got the Craftworlds were hitting the upper classes. Chaos worshippers were starting to appear. Plagues of, uh, you know, the Gelaplox plague was in Dontoria. And, you know, just to add to it, you've got the Great Rift, you know, above <laughs> them in the sky. <laughs> so yep, yep, it's not <laughs> really, exactly, it's not a very cool little place to be on. But, you know, no. but just to add to that, like I said, Abaddon is coming, uh, you know, so at this point, a sole space marine survivor has warned Marnius Kalgar about that he's coming, uh, obviously with his uh, Chaos Space Marines taking advantage of the uh, don't look at the sky law. So again, if you're <laughs> unfamiliar with that, uh, basically the the authorities in Vigis uh, banned people from looking up at the Great Rift because of all the things it could do to you, mm. which, you know, is ye- yes to a degree, but obviously it makes you a bit you know, blind, so to speak, yeah. when you can't look up at the sky. So, as we know, Harkin World Claimer, the uh, the herald of the mm-hmm. apocalypse, uh, comes down with his raptors. So, basically, using a thousand raptor masks, he claims Vigilus for Abaddon. And, obviously, at this point, Minus Calgar is going, oh, we've got a fight on our hands. Yeah. Haven't we, Cameron? Yeah. Mm. 
<sighs> well, you know, now you've got to deal with some more issues. There's a lot of fighting going down on the ground level, but you've got to look to the skies now because not looking up caused some problems, apparently. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, effectively, Marnie's Calgary's like, well, Abaddon's camp coming. He has to come from space and get all the warships together. I need everything with a goddamn gun that can fly. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, a Hark of Worldclaimer is just continually... He's like got this on a loop of 80 days. The end is nigh in 80 days. Uh, kind of using it to destroy Imperial morale. Um, and, you know, they're using close assault squads and, f- you know, lightning fast fighter pilots to try and fight off raptors that are spreading this message throughout the populace. But, you know, they're not trying to hide anymore. So they're pretty easy to find. They've been sort of crawling about in the upper spires of the hives for weeks and weeks before they were finally able to reveal themselves. I guess they had to wait until it was 80 days until Abaddon would get there. This <laughs> is not just like, he's coming soon. It has to be exactly... Has to be perfect. Mm. <laughs> it's the Sinesh in him. <laughs> mm, yeah. Uh, and at this point, you know, Calgar and his honor guard actually left Vigilus. Uh, they left Pedro Cantor, the chapter master of the Crimson Fists, in charge. Uh, and Marnius Calgar took to his flagship, the Laurels of Victory. Uh, <laughs> apparently uh, crewed by a man named Arch Commodore Hensman, who appears uh, very polite with a lot of ceremonial greetings. Uh, and the sole survivor from Nemengast, the librarian Maltus, who is from the Shadow Spear box, uh, mm. sort of guided him out past the edge of uh, Nemengast into the void. And after about a week of travel, uh, they started getting something back on the radar. Um, Cal- I-, I love this. This is the most 40k thing possible. They got an energy reading of an enemy ship. Kalgar broke three seals on a book of like forbidden vehicles and by the light of a blessed candle checked the energy signature against the most ancient data available as like yeah that's uh <laughs> that's the vengeful spirit that's horus's ship <laughs> yep. just like you can't just get like a little cogitated and say yeah that that's that no you got to go into the secret bowels of the ship open the forbidden book check the energy mm. spike against the old data with a blessed candle it's so good <laughs> um yeah, uh, so Calgar effectively used his massive numbers. There were so many spaceships here. He made an enormous cordon to effectively block them off. Uh, they didn't have any secret trips. They didn't have any super weapons from uh, the Dark Age of Technology or anything. All they had was a colossal amount of firepower. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, they spent they spent a vast amount of time devising all these different firing solutions and contingencies. They pre-launched hundreds of thousands of torpedoes to make sure that if ships broke away from the formation they would immediately be destroyed uh but for hours all the chaos ships did was fly straight not changing their course a single degree clearly saying you're not an issue <laughs> we are just going <laughs> to go straight through you and you know Cal- Calgar's not an idiot he knows even Abaddon is not confident enough to fly into a full imperial fleet with no precautions but he can't figure out what is behind this grand posture? Like, when is he going to break suddenly? Is he going to do like a short range warp jump or something? Uh, no, he's just going to fill the command bridge of Kalgar's ship with demons, which is <laughs> beautiful. This this was when I was reading the book. This was the bit that made me stop and gasp. And like, we're ten pages into the book, 
and things <laughs> yeah. are not going well. Uh, so effectively, uh, a warp rift, warp rift opens up in the command deck of the Laurels of Victory and outspews a whole bunch of Slaneshi demons. Uh, mm. one of which we've just been talking about because Shalaxi Hellbane yeah. is here, not named, mm. but it's definitely them because it's an enormous keeper of secrets with a spear and shield. Um, basically, destroys his honor guard immediately and then stabs Kalgar in the chest with the spear he manages to grab the spear by the pole after it's already stabbed him and he's, he's about to stop it from piercing his heart but it's slippery with nameless fluids and he loses yeah. his grip uh, and gets stabbed through the heart and then Shalaxi also tears out his throat for good measure because why not <laughs> Because oh, you got to double down. It's Kalgar. He's pretty tough. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this this basically sent everything. This in, the entire Imperial fleet into chaos. As you know, the the Grand Commander, you know, the man who's been an inspiring figure to the Imperial for hundreds of years, is dying on the floor of the bridge. There's <laughs> demons everywhere. Um, the the uh the victrix guard all the intercessor veterans eventually manage to push back the demons uh but it's not until the ship's navigator uses his third eye to start banishing demons that they retreat uh but at at this point uh, it turns out that this has happened on every principal warship of the fleet and all the commanders are in terrible states and uh <laughs> this is this is why abaddon was not concerned because that that's a pretty fantastic move i loved this so much it's just like Straight in, straight in. Yeah, no mucking around. That's no mucking not around. How, that's not how <laughs> Abaddon works, and and I think that just highlights why he is how he is. Because that's the thing; he's such a mm. such an interesting character in the sense that he's not obviously, as we know, he's not one that bends to the will of any of the chaos gods. He basically uses them to, mm. you know, give me a little help here, but I'm yeah. not going to fully commit myself, which obviously you know does work to his <laughs> advantage. But there's, like I said, I think I like what I like about it. There's no mucking around. Just like, yeah. you know what, boom, get stuck in. It's I've like, got a plan. It's the ultimate power move to drive through an Imperial Cordon while all its commanders lay dying because of war. Because you <laughs> yeah, exactly. Demons through. It's so good. And like, again, like th- this is this is the second Vigilus book. Kalgar was, you know, kind of propped up in the first one. You know, he's Primaris now. He's better than ever. And to see him to see him get absolutely ground into the dirt in like the first <laughs> couple of pages of the book is ridiculous. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Uh, and, and spoiler, there's more to come. Mm. Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it's uh it's not looking so good for <laughs> for mm. for Calgar and the rest, as we know the the you know the ultramarine fleet is reeling from this uh, demon assault you know obviously including the the mm. laurels of victory uh, arch commodore henceman that Cameron just mentioned you know realizes they need to fight another day including obviously the uh, taking the very no very wounded Kalgar with them uh, basically retreating you know it's within a sort of an hour's touch of to a basically a stable position near vigilus mm. uh, but so but you know as, as alluded to abaddon's path is basically really clear to the planet now he's mm. you know he's knocked the defenses out of the way thanks to crippling their defense <laughs> you know with his de- with his demon friends um you know talking to kalgar he's now on his secondary heart as obviously his main one was basically burst into two yeah. uh, <laughs> he's basically taken to you know the elite apothecaries put my teeth back in um they 
somehow, well, I like what this is what made me <laughs> quite laugh is they they rebuilt his throat via surgery, and now he's he, sl- he talks with a slight mechanical tone, so he's a mm. bit admec like. Yeah, uh, I just think it was just what I think was quite amusing about this is like oh, they just rebuilt his throat, like yeah. no big deal, you know. I mean, it's like I he, guess he, it's not you know, after becoming a primaris that would have been no, much more invasive surgery. <laughs> no, but I suppose when you when you uh, hear that you know in anything mm. you're like oh yeah they just literally ripped his throat out i mean that's yeah, like yeah. for most people that's game over where it's just it's just like yeah we just just popped it back in he just I sounds mean, a bit more robotic now yeah i mean he got better but he's he he it, i feel it's more to set an example of what's to come because if you if you don't think of absolutely everything you are just going to get destroyed by abaddon <laughs> like yeah that's true Calga <laughs> yeah. went and think it was a normal ship battle you know, think about normal firing solutions and things like that, and he didn't think far enough ahead that there would be, you know, an actual assault on the bridge that early in a space battle. And because of that... That's true. ...has to go through... Um, you know, I mean, they fix him in, like, a paragraph, but it, it's yeah. a lot of stuff they do to him to get him better. <laughs> so we're all shocked, really. Yeah. We, us as readers and listeners, and and obviously Calgar was very surprised. <laughs> mm. So uh, so the people in Saints Haven celebrated the Imperial mm. return, you know, recognising the sound. Just, as obviously, this is what made me laugh, the fact they can't, because they can't look up at the sky. They're mm. like, wait a minute, that sounds like ship engines. Oh, yay, you're back. Yeah. Um, obviously, the <laughs> propaganda team went into overdrive suggesting that they came to free vigilus rather than obviously the truth that you know they got battered basically <laughs> up, up in space. uh so rumors of the truth started to you know come about uh the sons of vanadan which are basically those which were mentioned previously the basically the, the zinch cults that you know that can read things from mm. the flames you know they started throwing rumors about and obviously in combination with obviously what you know harkham world claimers claims mm. uh basically people started believing that oh wait a minute things didn't go so well so the space marines obviously smashed down in their drop pods ignoring the pauper princes ignoring the orcs that we've obviously mm. know about but going basically now for the these chaos space marines that have appeared uh i managed to take down you know managed to take sorry take back some of the spires that they were obviously previously lost but really they clearly you know were too late at this point so like we've alluded to calgar is now fully healed uh thanks to being being a marine and obviously being primaris too uh, mm. and obviously he now sort of reflects on what's going on you know looks at data slates <laughs> for hours you know basically catching up on things <laughs> um so now once he's done this calgar orders for dirkton to be left to the genes to the cults you know say look it's lost to them uh mm. calex bane to is lost to the jakari yep okay don't worry about it Mortwald is, you know, been battered by orc attacks. You know, the wealthy have abandoned the place, so basically to leave the peasants <laughs> to uh, to world claimer and his raptors. So like, yep, yeah, don't worry about that. Mega Borealis has, you know, been wrenched open by heretics, Xenos, even you know forces of the Omnissiah. So the you know the pauper princes were in, you know, seeing at this point in control of the Omnissiah host, which is. Uh, that basically that big relay that takes the mm. uh, water from asteroids, uh, you know. So by taking control of that, they've crippled the supply of water. You know, for obviously the vigilous defenders. So again, adding you know more misery on top of them. Uh, Dontoria High Sprawl was un- was under an incurable plague. You know, similar to that in you know in Ultramar, the uh, the Death Watch had declared it. Uh, declared the Otex Reservoir's quarantine toxicus. And that, that's basically where the pauper princes had had previous dealings with mm. Space Wolves and the Sisters of Battle. Uh, and basically got Warp Talons, you know, causing the locals to go mad. So everywhere <laughs> you turn, 
<laughs> things are not looking great. Not good. Um, in st- <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, Storv Hall is where the, the Vanadan cults, those inch cults, have been causing trouble. So there's you know full of erupting volcanoes, throwing tons of ash <laughs> into the sky, burning flesh. It's a lovely place. Oh, you know? yeah. It's nice to take a little weekend break to. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, with all this, the Chaos Invasion is, you know, basically taking it to the tipping point, isn't mm. it? Oh, yeah. Cameron? Yeah. And look, um, when when everything goes like this, when you can't rely on your friendly neighborhood propagandist anymore, who do you turn to? Who do you turn to? The church won't give you water. You obviously can't ask for it from the orcs. There's only one place to go. It's your buddy Steve down the road. He's he's pretty nice. Yeah. He's got a third arm, but he he's nice to you. He's always inviting you over. He always has some water to drink, and you know, he's oh, pretty I love cool. Steve. I love Steve. Mm. Uh, so a lot mm. of a lot of vigilists populace uh, sort of found relief from despair in the imperial cult, but some people uh, became part of the chaos cults. But even more of them, uh, sort of a. Uh, Went went native and joined the gene stealer cults. Uh, you know all, all the all the pauper prince cults say. You know we're the true natives of Vigilus. We'll stand together. Yeah, patriotism. Woo. Also, we have water <laughs> that's safe to drink. Totally not filled with gene stealer toxins or anything. Um. <laughs> um. Now this was this is interesting because Abaddon actually didn't know about the gene stealer cults. Uh, when he made his initial assault on Vigilus, they are really well hidden uh, from scrying, partly because of the shadow in the warp, partly because you know they hide themselves underground. They're very hard to detect anyway. Uh, and you know they they the Black Legion started from the top down. You know, started up in spies. They're working their way down, and the further down they get in every hive sprawl the harder it gets because all the gene stealers are coming off from below fighting for the honor of Grand Sire Worm, fighting for their homes. It's, it's, this is why I love gene stealer cults is because it is genuinely <laughs> people who believe they're defending their home. They're taking back like their homeland. They're, they're not. They're, they're all, you know, puppets of the hive mind, but it's, it's pretty cool. Like we, <laughs> we own our place. This is our home. You're going to come here. Chaos Marines. You're going to mess yeah, with, you're going to yeah. mess with my neighbor, Steve and his dog with four <laughs> legs and three arms yeah. and everything. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So uh, uh, as we previously mentioned, the gene stealers held Dirkton particularly strongly, uh, and the night Lords and a renegade chapter known as the scourge were sent to, uh, basically tip that place over the brink uh by driving everyone into madness and violence uh there weren't many night lords here most of them were near the eye of terror attacking craft world Ulthway. uh but the leader here ramagan savastus made a deal with abaddon to make sure he was given uh ashenid non-hive as the locale of his primary attack uh he wanted an area with a high criminal population for recruitment or hmm. you know possibly slaves um but, you know, no one no one knew that it was full of gene stealers. They're hard to sense. They're hard to they're hard to spot with like aerial observations. So, you know, the Night Lords land in Dirkton, they slaughter their way through, they let loose all the criminals as they do, let them all out, give them all weapons, see who survives. Uh they're pretty standard operations. Uh but suddenly they find themselves fighting for lives as gene stealer cultists emerge from false walls and trap doors to fight alongside their criminal underworld brothers. Yay. <laughs> uh, and, I mean, they're, they're still normal people for the most part. Like, the Night Lords killed so many that they used them as as sort of ramparts and battalions and defenses. Uh, not battalions, battlements and defenses uh, against the waves of cultists. 
But uh, the cult had numbers at this point. Everyone was sort of joining up for some level of normality, some level of safety. Uh, but they didn't want to send the pure strains against the Night Lords. Instead, they sent a bunch of aberrants and metamorphs as a shock assault to sort of break the backs of the Chaos Marine Assault and take back Dirkton for their own. Because, yeah, Gene Stealers. <laughs> they're, they're the heroes of our story, really. <laughs> yeah, you didn't see that coming, did you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's all going on. Mm. And talking about it all going on, let's uh, let's go and talk about the Omnisign Hoist. I said that uh, mm. lovely bit of machinery that uh, pulls water out of asteroids. Oh, it's still so cool. So cool. Um, sorry, I've just got to think of nar- I'm t- narratively. That just sounds great. Oh, like, so just good. imagine imagine building that and, mm. and fighting over it. Oh. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Talking of fighting over it, <laughs> mm. so the uh, the tech priests obviously were around in this area, basically planned to take back the Omniscient host from the Gene Stealers that I said had previously taken it over in Mega Borealis. One of the you know the biggest battles was over this hoist uh, with the pauper princes basically taking over the lower levels via sort of basically covert ops, mm. uh, infiltrating the uh, the Stygian uh, forces to get the access codes, but then. The slight snag for the pauper princes at this point is the upper floors were much more difficult to get into. Mm. So after a an alarm lockdown with Castellan robot guards, a few pure strain genes that has basically made their way in via the water pipes, mm. as you do, uh, which in turn cut <laughs> off the water supply to Mega Borealis. So double win for yeah. the, uh, the, the pure <laughs> strains at that point. Uh, the Iron Hands get involved at this point. Mm. Uh, they are sent in to take back the structure. Uh, unfortunately, they were attacked by orcs. Again, a common theme throughout mm. this battle. One side starts to do something, some other random side gets involved. <laughs> that You'll see that a few times. Uh, so they were attacked by orcs, uh, you know, therefore having to deal with, you know, two enemies at once. Uh, obviously, the pauper princes took advantage of this. Uh, but the Iron Hands used their strike cruiser, known as Dark Spear, really cool mm. name, uh, to take out an area which basically allowed the Castellan robots to start a counterattack. Uh, Skatari forces were sent into the upper levels, basically via these hidden routes, um, basically almost like elevators really uh which led to a great counter attack on the uh the gene stealers with Skatari, you know eventually gaining the upper hand you know obviously saying no no this is our this is our land get off it we're having it thanks <laughs> so the the gene stealers took out uh in retaliation took out the lighting took out you know destroyed all the lumens uh and then who appears only grandsire worm oh. oh i knew he would he would turn up so he you know the patriarch of the uh, the pauper prince's cult so he appears rips apart the skatari the skatari i should say mm. uh and uses powers to you you know to use the nearby uh, gene stealers to cut off these you know these uh, these elevators basically so mm. you know no backup for the uh, skatari grandsire worm brings down the metal shutters you know <laughs> <laughs> it sounds great like like <laughs> bring down the shutters um but before it completes neutron lasers fire ripping off two of his arms so it's not just calgar mm. that's getting a, a bad time as well yeah. and obviously with his uh his guard being killed at the same time all these neutron lasers coming from different directions haha <laughs> the tech priest has used the distraction 
knowing that this is what was going to happen, <laughs> to send some uh, dune craw- crawlers up on the side. So you imagine oh, you've got these so dune cool. crawlers with, with like magnetic, like yeah, you know, magnetic yeah. shoes, oh. and they're basically going junk, junk, junk up on the side of the the spire. <laughs> so they've got these magnetic plates, and mm. they just fire and just destroy. I just think that is amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> just, so smart. I never thought that dune craw- crawlers would go vertical, but it makes sense. They crawl. Yeah. Yeah. Some, someone do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, amazing. Yeah. All right. All right. What? But, you know, this this just adds to the point of things were pretty bad in Vigilus if we had to put magnetic boots <laughs> on June crawlers to combat gene stealers. <laughs> uh, there's, there's clearly a need for more drastic measures. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they use armed couriers. They use Skyflare semaphore and Intel cylinders from the moon. Again, uh... Most information is de- delivered by pneumatic tube flung from space on Vigilus, which I love so much. Um, so <laughs> all the news of all these different assaults, all these different sieges and wars and battles being fought are uh, reaching the uh, the Imperial Command, uh, namely Kalgar, obviously, by all these different means. And the Adeptus Societies are um, throwing up all these response plans. They've made a lot of gains in Hyperia. But the grand strategy had to be revised over and over and over because every time they make one plan, it becomes clear that Abaddon brought even more renegade chapters and trade allegiance than they thought. You know, they're they're going over they're going over data slates of, of enemy positions and things like that. All the while, ten thousand year old space marines have devoted devoted their entire life stalk over the entire planet, just slaughtering everything. Again, experience is hard to to mess with. Like Chaos Marines know what they're up to for the most part. Like mm. they they are veterans of the long war, you might say. One command point hey. plus one to wound. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you know, to the people of the Vigilist Senate, this sounds like you know I've never heard of these Night Lords, or I've, I barely know what a Death Guard is. I've only heard of it as a legend. Marnie's Calgar is just sitting there listening to this. Like every single one that's added on the list is the worst nightmare possible for him. The Black Legion's there, but the Word Bearers have come. They're attacking uh, spires, the Spire Convents of Hyperia, so like the Imperial Cult cathedrals in Hyperia with religious fanaticism. Uh, they've brought a bunch of Havocs to sort of deal with all the repulses and exorcist tanks. Uh, Iron Warriors are making drop assaults against Mortwall because they saw a trench network and went, yes, somewhere we can siege properly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, they're using pinpoint las cannon fire to sort of burn Mortwall down and crack it open, even though it's been, you know, resisting orc attacks for decades at this point with no problem at all. Uh, the Iron Warriors are sort of bursting it open like a like a day-old egg. Uh, the Imperial Fists are sort of doing the best they can to hurl them back, but the Iron Warriors use these mass Chaos Cultist charges to distract and sort of divert attention away from where they're actually trying to push through the lines. Uh, the Night Lords, as I mentioned earlier, and the Scourged uh, descended on Dirkton, but eventually got hurled back by the Gene Stealers, which is not a good thing, uh, because if you remember <laughs> from the location... Uh, stuff from last time, uh, Dirkden and Hyperia, Hyperia being sort of the capital city hive, are actually linked by a massive sort of super highway on top of a giant wall. That's the Hyperia Dirkden Fort Wall. Uh, so if the Night Lords continue to fall back, they'll essentially land on that and be able to walk straight into Hyperia. No problems at all. Move into Saint's Haven. Um, Lencott's chain, which is sort of a, a false island chain, is overrun by this strange machine virus. 
uh, because Abaddon's Ark, Lord Discordant, Vex Machinator is there. Oh yeah, cool model, doing cool things. <laughs> uh, uh, he's essentially using raw chaos to destroy all the water pur- purification plants in the area, sort of turning them into demon engines as he goes. Uh, Dontoria is in the middle of the Galapox infection and is, it, it, it sounds almost like the end of Akira. Like, it just everything's merging together. People are growing out into machines. Machines are growing out into people. Uh, the people, people are growing these horrific blisters that burst into little demon maggots that grow into glitchlings, uh, that just turn electronics off around them by <laughs> sheer misfortune. Uh, and, you know, the, the Space Marines know about Nurgle. They know that there's not much they can do to deal with this plague at the point, at this point. And so Kalgar says, Dontoria is too far gone. It's lost. There's, uh, there's not much to do except take extreme action. Uh, Lucien Agamemnus the Ninth, the planetary governor, she, uh, made a suggestion that the Adeptus Mechanicus could be used to cause an earthquake and effectively topple the highest spires of Vigilus that are overrun with raptors and the like. Uh, but that's, the cow goes, no, no, that's not smart. That'll damage everything below it. We need to go, we need to damage the higher areas only. Uh, so, uh, Lucien says, well, uh, why don't we do a systematic program of arson? Which is a great quote. <laughs> uh, effectively, <laughs> at, at the throat of the largest high spire, you would set a fire, and because fire burns upward, it'll only cleanse the upper spires, where all the traitors and heretics and mutants are. It's great. It's wonderful. Mm. Uh, and Kalga, <laughs> again, knows, knows these hives are too far gone at this point, and <sighs> one by one, the pyres known as Kalga's fires are lit to pierce the smog cloud layer, and all the, the upper spires of Vigilus burned. Trying to cut off, <laughs> cut off, uh, the angle of, for the raptors at the very least. Hmm. <laughs> Toasty. Ooh. We see, we said it was on fire. Oh, yeah. You no, know, they literally is... set everything on fire. We lying. There's volcanoes yeah, everywhere. Exactly. Kalgar set what wasn't on fire before on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> uh, well, let's mix it mm. up. Um, let's see how far things have fallen. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. mm. uh, let's go inside the Vulian Swirl. So, as we know from previous times, this is the huge dust storm near the Hyperia High Sprawl. It's basically mm-hmm. a big, huge, lovely tornado of death. Yeah. Um, that was avoided by everyone, naturally. Hence, that's why it was a tornado of death. That's what I've called it. Uh, it's a massive circle of wind with billions of tons of rock, sand, etc. that, you know, could literally tear your skin off. Lovely. Uh, mm, tearing that skin off. Uh, it was so volatile and dangerous that only, <laughs> only, only basically space marines and their armor mm. had a chance of uh, getting through it. So when the uh, space marines arrived earlier in the war, the, uh, the council obviously decreed that the swirl being a waste of time, mm. You know, because, you know, what, what, who cares? Just stay away from it. You know, okay. You know, even to the point where smaller storms were breaking off, you know, the side of it. Mm. And like, the space was like, you sure you don't want to go and check that? No, <laughs> no, don't worry about it. Let it be. It's all cool. It's all good. Exactly. I want, I want my skin in one piece. Thanks. <laughs> so the, uh, the dark angels, obviously, as we know, had their own agenda to explore yes, as they always often always do. do. So they, they do they do indeed so using transports in a formation that you know basically project project there protected one another uh but you know they eventually broke down uh they so they carried on in bikes Mm -hmm. you know they uh 
the uh, Raven Wing basically turned up. So they carried on their bikes to to go under the storm. Uh, but still, you know, these started breaking down. You got bits of, you know, rock and sand, you know, getting into the engines and things like that. So, nope, they start breaking down as well. Like, okay, sod it. We'll go on foot then if that's what we got to do. So they carry on walking. But obviously, you know, it's a massive, huge area. You know, it's a terrible thing. You know, the confusion of a, like I said, a big tornado type thing uh, obviously causes interference with their communications you know, they basically had to basically admit defeat, mm. you know, at this point they thought, you know what, we've tried, but we aren't getting there. So, you know, they're disappointed, but they know something's important there, but they had to sort of basically, you know, double back mm. and head back. So what is in the middle of it? It's the Citadel Vigilant, mm. basically, as it's called by the locals, a stronghold, you know, hidden in the storm, and it's been hidden there for thousands of years. Uh, and it'd been taken by, guess who? The <laughs> Fallen. Yes, Yay. a Fallen Warband. Those those pesky ex-Dark Angels. <laughs> so using it as a base to basically research Vigilus, because that's mm. what they do, uh, and obviously can concoct their own plans. Uh, basically, they use the storm and in combination with psychic shielding by their chief librarian Os- Osandus, uh it was basically the perfect hiding spot mm, for them yeah so uh but also which is very a very interesting bit is that he had a blood pact with abaddon mm. uh from previously because uh, basically abaddon had helped the fall and escape the dark angels back at pandarax mm. so and in combination abaddon's uh, used his sorcerers to track his way to Vigilus fire using this blood pact. Yeah. Uh, so Abaddon, you know, was, was thinking, oh, I'm glad I did that then, <laughs> basically. <Yeah. laughs> Which I think is quite yeah. an amusing way to sum this up, going, hmm, oh, I did well there, didn't Pace I? have friends in high places. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm. Even the Fallen, Even are, now the fallen are now involved. God damn it. Uh, their involvement is incredibly important because uh, the Citadel Vigilant is not only a massive fortress in its own right, it also houses an ancient weapon known as the Void Claw. Uh, so basically, when Abaddon's flagship, the Ventral Spirit, reached the reached the orbit of Vigilus, they took up a geosynchronous position, so when they orbit, they stay above the same point on the planet. They're basically spinning around it at the same speed, the planet is spinning physics stuff. Um, they, they, they took Doc above Storval, uh, and the Ventral Spirit is a Gloriana-class battleship. It's effectively equivalent to an Imperial fleet all on its own. It is ridiculously powerful. Um, <laughs> and af- after sort of throwing themselves against it for a fair while, the Imperial Navy decided, as long as we don't approach, it doesn't shoot at us, so we're just not going to approach it. Uh, <laughs> it uh, just hangs there, not doing anything. Uh, and effectively, Abaddon said, hey, you know what's awful? Riding and driving and trudging through a giant sandstorm. No, I'm just going to teleport down. <laughs> I've got, I've, yeah, makes I've sense. got a whole bunch of teleportarium arrays. I've got this piece of paper that helps me track down the librarian at the middle of the, at the middle of the storm. Uh, so here, here I come with all my terminators. There's 50 terminators and Abaddon show up outside the gates and call for an audience. Uh, there's no reply for a fairly long while. And Abaddon stalks forward, I guess, ready to cut open the gates himself. When finally they lower, uh, and a parley begins. Parley. Uh, it's not an exchange of old friends. <laughs> it's not even old allies. Uh, 100 fallen are pointing guns down at the Black Legion, who just, you know, are as ever massively confident. They don't twitch. They don't raise their own guns. Uh, instead, Abaddon starts talking, which is what he's best at. 
You know, he's brokered deals with Lords of Renegade Chapters, with Demon Primarchs. Some even think he talked to the Chaos Powers themselves and retained most of his sanity. Uh, but Abaddon, Abaddon doesn't even want the Fallen Service. He just wants to fire the Void Claw once. Because this isn't a normal weapon. It doesn't shoot a big shell. It doesn't make a big plasma beam or anything. It doesn't shoot lasers. Instead, it focuses crushing energy into a single point in space-time to open a gravitic anomaly about the size of a pearl. It's tiny, but it's so strong that it can bypass every known force field. Uh, it's a na- it's the gravity of it is so strong that it can draw all matter around it into sort of into the warp. Effectively, it's a tiny breach in reality. Uh, the fallen obviously wanted to use this on the dark angels. They were planning to lure them. Uh, through setting them up with false prisoners and things like that to lure them to bring the rock to Vigilus and then fire the Void Claw at the center of the rock and just watch it <laughs> disappear <laughs> with Lionel Johnson inside it, I guess. Uh, mm. uh, should be glad they didn't mm. do that. But Abaddon doesn't want to do that. He wants to reshape the Nakamund Gauntlet. So again, that's the p- safe passageway between the Dark Imperium and the Imperium regular. Uh, and, you know, Abaddon says... We're not going to fire it at any enemy vessels. We're going to fire it at the point exactly halfway between Vigilus and the moon. And the resulting gravity well is going to basically start tearing both of those apart. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Vigilus is at this point basically, basically already falling to pieces. Now it's going to be literally falling to pieces because even <laughs> the force of gravity is being pulled against it. And you know, with the chanting of sacraments and the shattering of ancient wards, it was brought to shuddering, crackling life. Dust swelled into high spiral, the ground shuddering as the entire citadel was rocked to its foundations. The air itself screamed as the void claw went to work, and a tiny singularity was torn in the fabric of real space high above the planet. So this this is a weapon so powerful that when it was turned off, it caused that massive sandstorm around it. And then they, then they went and flipped the dang thing on. Uh, so not good. Not good at all, <laughs> is what I would say. <laughs> yeah. Things are definitely uh, getting a bit complicated mm. and a bit dire, aren't mm. they? So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, so talking of the Void Claw, uh, this obviously caused a global level event, basically, mm. as it pulled, you know, Vigilus, you know, towards it. Uh, the pull known as the Vulian Anomaly. Uh, massively affected the Imperial Defence. Uh, the Senate were bombarded by intel, messengers in the street, war rooms were being opened up, mm. you know, here here and there and everywhere. Uh, with even the, the genius of Calgar and his commanders, you know, they were struggling, you know, in all honesty, they were struggling to cope with this changing plague. Mm. obviously, you know, think how, you know, th- think of what we just described <laughs> up until this point, and now they're like, oh, yeah, we've got to deal with this now as well. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, which was basically turning into sort of two new disasters, really. Yeah. Um, so, firstly, the Imperial fleet above Vigilus ships were being flung around, and you know the smaller ships because of the gravity were being thrown into the larger mm. ships <laughs> by this event. Uh, and this point, Arch uh, Commodore Venzatoria uh, realised that the scale ships were pointing away to you, you mm. know, to uh, to use their engines to you know to to basically fight the pull. Clever. Uh, so. You know, sort of down on the planet, the swirl was, you know, turning into this basically like a cone-shaped tornado, as you can imagine, because mm. it's literally being pulled uh, by this event. 
it's ripping everything that's not tied down yep, away, yep. Uh, including uh, Rag Zaka's mechs oh, were no. being used as all the bolts of metal <laughs> in, in Hurricane Wreck were flying out in a stream of metal. I've got that. It just sounds mm. an amazing image. Yeah. Like, you can just imagine things just rumbling, and then all of a sudden, boom, boom, all these plates and nuts and bolts, and like, oh, <laughs> where's our metal going? <laughs> and it's funny, because like, at this point, the grots are thinking of all the profits, like, like, like it's, uh, you know, at the end of the yeah. rainbow. Um, <laughs> so in addition, you know, the spires are in various areas are falling naturally, uh, killing thousands mm. and thousands as the sort of tectonic plates are moving. Um, it's, you know, literally disrupting the planet from its core. Mm. Uh, the hoist is snapped at the, uh, at the Sa- uh, Sacris Tora Hawking space station. Yeah. Cause that's obviously one of its connecting points. You've got the, the acid swamps of, uh, Neo Vellum. Uh, they're basically melting bri- bridges because as things are tipping over, the, the bridges are literally falling mm. into, you know, sliding into the swamps and then destroying them. The, uh, the nebulas around Vigilus were moving towards the planet, uh, which in, in turn basically caused the sort of planet to be in a bit of gloom mm. really because obviously the light was waning because of all the what was going up on yeah. in space basically yeah. so yeah that was damaging morale mm. naturally you know to add to all the other things they're trying to to deal with so yeah. you know basically with this by basically calling in a favor mm. <laughs> which is effectively what abaddon has done he's struck a massive blow mm. at this point yeah. um and one thing to note is the what's called the draining. <laughs> so Abaddon knew that, that basically draining away the water supply, because uh, obviously the the, the event is pull, literally pulling mm. away the water, you know, from all the reservoirs, would obviously dramatically affect, especially the Astra Militarum mm. being humans. Yes. Uh, at first, it was a trickle. Then streams of water were starting to <laughs> literally, you know, be drained from the land. And then what seemed to be happening is it would be rushing away and then it would be dropping into the other parts of the land. And then obviously in turn, the land was absorbing mm. it. So, you know, obviously massively affecting the water supplies. Gradually, this led to the, you know, the reservoirs being next. Then obviously that could in turn new seas were being created because obviously big reservoirs were being sort of half mm. of it was being taken and push somewhere else so a new sea appears out of nowhere uh i mean ultimately this led to people you know traveling to find water because obviously they're getting very thirsty at this mm, point mm. um realizing that whoa whoa our supply's going here guys uh which obviously you know humans being humans started fighting each yeah. other you know over these things and uh yeah the dire situation continues mm, yeah well it just keeps getting worse doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not good uh so you know uh oh god i love this line the gravitic curse abaddon had leveled against the planet was bending the laws of physics like this is this is a weapon so terrible it's beyond comprehension it's not it's not a weapon it's a curse <laughs> effectively um you know everything is still going pretty bad that's not the that's not the only bad thing happening the word bearers have been sort of given the task of summoning the energies of the Great Rift down onto the planet's surface using uh, an edifice known as the Noctilith Crown. Uh, so they're essentially opening the Chaos Stargates mm. everywhere they go. Uh, the Death Guard are spreading plays across Dontoria. Night Lords are fighting hard in Dirkton. And the Iron Warriors are battling the Imperial Fists for control of Mortwald. But they weren't going unopposed. You know, they can't retreat to the tops of the spires anymore because they've all been set on fire. Uh, the World Eaters were pretty happy to just 
burn and destroy everything. But the Alpha Legion are also there. They're doing a bunch of covert actions while the word bearers and certain other renegade chapters are pursuing a war of indoctrination. Effectively, don't kill them all. Convert them all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's the time for all-out war. Um, the, the Senate eff- effectively does their best to do a campaign of misdirection and entrapment to sort of, uh, to sort of make a masterpiece. Calgar effectively saw the plains of Vigilus. Cause again, remember, Vigilus has no natural terrain at this point. It's all either hive or flat desert. Uh, and Calgar yep. sees all these open landscapes as a place that he can turn into a strategic masterpiece. Uh, essentially the idea is by manipulating where the enemies were moving, they would cause them to bump into each other, fight each other, and destroy each other. Inspired, actually, by Cryptman's Gambit, which is a callback to, uh, some fairly old lore, actually, about, um, how the Leviathan High Fleet was dealt with. Uh, Inquisitor Cryptman herded it into orc-held space and made them fight each other. Uh, so... A lot of a lot of the space marines who had been there for the War of the Beast understand that orcs are reckless. They are very obsessive and they're very easy to manipulate. If something's going fast and and it's red, they're probably going to follow that. Uh, <laughs> but the orcs the orcs had also learned if a, if an enemy's wearing power armor, they give one hell of a good fight. And you know it doesn't matter how spiky or not the space marine wearing the power armor is. It just matters that they're wearing power armor. That's the sign of the good fight there. So Calgar and all the other chapter <laughs> masters organize a series of fighting retreats. They lead the World Eaters, Crimson Slaughter, and Red Corsairs out of the cities into the wastes, leading them through open terrain, which caused a lot of Imperial casualties. Orc gunners took opportunistic shots, but some Chaos Invaders who managed to stay in the higher levels were able to sort of level firepower against people caught out in the open. But the Speedwar saw all these explosions and trails of fire off in the distance, made haste for the clash, and all the loyalists jumped onto Thunderhawk gunships and bulk landers and flew away, and the Chaos forces were caught out in the open with minimal air support. Uh, <laughs> effect- effectively, they weren't expecting to have to make an airborne retreat, uh, and so a whole bunch of Orc vehicles showed up, they all got gunned down, but behind them came a score of vehicles, then a hundred more vehicles, even Chaos Marines can't hope to stop a war made entirely of cars <laughs> being driven by nuts orcs. I love orcs so much. Uh, the world eaters, even the world eaters found themselves pretty hard pressed. The orcs were really emboldened by how fast they were going and the massive numerical superiority they had. So they weren't running away. So you had to kill every single orc to get out of there, which, uh, you know, for, for something that was causing such a problem for vigilists before, suddenly the orcs are pretty handy. And that's good, I think. Yeah. You should appreciate orcs more. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, they, we've seen it with the Gene Sealer cults and now the orcs. Mm. You know what? They're not all bad, yeah. are they? No, they're, 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 they're buddies. <laughs> yeah. They're shaped like friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's talk about some Blackstone. Mm, yeah. Uh, and some lovely machines. So, Abaddon was next targeting the Blackstone cache that we know was at uh, Silo 15 in the Thunder Sump, basically, and sent there his demon engine. So uh, we know that the the, ad, the Adeptus Mechanicus have been sort of, you know, harvesting this uh, material mm. from under the uh, the planet's crust. And obviously Abaddon thought, I know about Blackstone. It uh, comes <laughs> in quite handy at times. So <laughs> uh, as we know, the tech priests, as I said, have, have been hoarding it 
character in Mega from Mega Borealis. Uh, how mm. you know how it was made? They were obsessed with like the channels and the holes running through it, and it was all in this sort of spear shaped uh, sort of setup. And obviously guarded the supply, mm. you know, vigilantly. Yeah. Um, the silo was made the sort of basically the permanent facility for the material. You know, they erected like fortress walls and, and the sort of the piece de resistance was the, uh, the macro grade refractor field that, uh, they put across it, basically an ancient relic, which basically turns any energy, whether it's kinetic or whatever, basically turns it into light and just sort of dissipates and into nothing. But here come the demon engines that we've seen. So the spaceship Cerberite, uh, which is basically a former, a former chapter ship uh, that had basically been through the Eye of Terror and morphed into like a living spaceship, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is always very badass. <laughs> uh, basically brought, <laughs> exactly. So brought, uh, brought the, the brazen beasts, as they mm. were known, uh, to Vigilus, uh, the, basically the demon engines of Korn, uh, that basically Abaddon had been sort of holding back in reserve for the opportune mm. moment such as now so the cerberite entered uh you know and basically entered space entered the planet it, and literally to the point where they put the ship over the force field so it was sort of sort of running over the top of it so to speak so it was clashing with the force field and obviously putting it under a lot of strain uh hell drakes were unleashed uh scrap code klaxons were roaring uh the ship basically anchored itself you know above uh this particular silo and and the engines you know basically you know rip through all this or the demon engines rip through the tech priest defenses mm. at this point um and just to add to this they smash through the defenses uh with three lords of skulls mm. which are those sort of big corn uh <laughs> contraptions ones with the sort of the tank wheels mm. and uh, the big guy at the front. So using their speed as well as their strength to overpower the defenders, including like electro priests and things like that. You've got forge fiends, pr- uh, you know, sort of prowling next to them, you know, taking out cataphron breaches. You've got Castellan robots dealing with venom crawlers. The Adeptus Mechanicus were basically struggling with the sort of the, the savage nature of uh, chaos at this mm. point. So as always, common theme, other races start getting involved <laughs> in this fight including the orcs uh, of uh, war boss uh, Kuldaka, who's looking for another fight. <laughs> and he saw this big glowy thing, um, which is basically the, for- the, 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 uh, the force field, and, and basically took his blitz brigade towards the mm. mines, uh, sort of around the side, uh, basically unloading the huge creations of, that are being made by uh, Big Tanker. So mm. all these sort of amazingly or you know done orc contraptions uh and they turned on the uh to fight the chaos renegades that were sort of basically hanging back behind the demon engines so you got orc vehicle meeting demon engine in combat as they sort of smashed and fought with each other mm. uh and obviously orcs being orcs wouldn't go down easily um to the point where <laughs> cruel Dacker rips the head off a mauler fiend oh. with his power claw and and literally spits down its throat yeah. uh you know summoning summoning the war <laughs> in him um so so you know as part of this fight at thunder sump you know you got uh i said going back to the orc machinery you've got death dreads and gorkonauts i said fighting these demon engines in like a basically a machine war uh Mm. with the chaos vanguard stretch from from taking down the admech forces that were defending it in the first place uh cruel dracker you know basically avoids the you know darting through the lords Mm. of skulls to get to the chaos command he uh he takes out the warpsmith Gorber Demon Bind. Demon Bind ultimately got the last laugh though, as his <laughs> Chaos Knights came in and basically take out the last of the Anmech and the Force Field. And then just to you know add to this, 
who comes along? Only the vengeful spirit <laughs> comes along, basically launches an attack. Now with you know with the sort of with this the force field being down, and rips apart the silo and basically everyone yeah. around it. Yeah, and that was it. <laughs> and that was the end of that. <laughs> wow, that's pretty cool. So yeah, yeah. Yes. But let's hear some about some more cult stuff. I love cults. Don't you like to be in a cult? Mm. Uh- <laughs> Never been asked, yeah. but you know, yeah, there's always yeah, time yeah, and a I mean, place, I suppose. You know. <laughs> um, the cult of mm, Roman rule, yeah, obviously. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> effe- effectively, all the common people are sort of—they're getting real desperate. They're joining all kinds of cults. They're joining imperial cults, gene sealer cults, chaos cults. Uh, <laughs> but uh, in particular, <laughs> the aristocracy of Mortwald, so the rich people who owned the beautiful tourist destination, were sort of sent into a state of near panic. <laughs> By the coming of this chaos fleet, uh, effectively they they put in extreme measures in place. Uh, the defenders of Mortworld had spent a massive amount of resources fighting off the orcs during the War of the Beasts, and even though they were bolstered by the Imperial Fists, some success chapters, and Imperial Knights, it was still kind of a stalemate at best. Uh, and they were losing ground to the Gene Steel Colts in the southern area, southern areas of Mortworld. Uh, Lord Danos Agamemnus and his fellow aristocrats had the reaction of stockpiling all the food and water they could find. Uh, it's understandable from a survivalist mindset, but they took it uh, to more inhuman extremes. They donned these high-tech war suits and started hunting the representatives of the poorer classes whenever they petitioned for a fairer <laughs> spread of the resources. So, you know, the guy who gets elected to go to the nobles and say, hey, sir, can we please have more than half a thimble of water a day each, uh, would suddenly be mysteriously shot in the night. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they'd piled up more food in the Immortalis spy hide than they could eat in a hundred lifetimes. They had enough water to wash it down twice over, even though the Vulian anomaly was draining all the open water reservoirs. They, they, they sort of had endless wealth and connections with the water magnets of the planet. Uh, they had these cults of luxury and youthful immortality, Im- immortality coming into being, focused around constantly using the rejuvenate clinics of Mortwald. Uh, and, you know, this obviously triggered a massive wave of riots against the establishment, uh, but they also <laughs> attracted the attention of Slanesh. Uh, so the flawless host, a renegade chapter so obsessed with their own excellence, they were convinced they could, go- could do no wrong, caught the scent of excess upon the ether and made for Mortwald. Uh, because they were fairly recent renegades, they still had valid access idents in their vehicles, so they were able to literally just fly straight in past all the defences without being stopped. Uh, and the glut <laughs> of violence that followed was so disgusting in its obscenity that it defies description. Uh, the rulers of Mortworld had been found guilty for the crime of imperfection, not because they excessively hoarded and they were sickeningly callous, but because they didn't go far enough. Uh, <laughs> The flawless hosts were more than glad to show them the meaning of true excess and summoned demonettes to aid them whenever household guards or rival Slanesh cults moved against them and every pyre, every spire soon burned from within. Uh, the outskirts of the Hive Sprawl and, uh, outskirts of Mortwall, I should say, and Otek Hive Sprawl didn't fare much better. Uh, the people of those regions had long felt the injustice and greed of their superiors. They were whipped into indignation by cult leaders and mounted a gory revolution that saw them all turn against the aristocrats and take their heads, but then they just kept going and became blood cults and worshippers of the dark gods. They were sort of convinced that 
their absent rulers were the true evil in the area, the only hope laid in defection, so they started following Chaos Space Marines around uh, whenever they went into battle, hoping to find, you know, <laughs> some purpose, I guess, at that point. Uh, and, you know, a, a part, of, part of this was due to the Noctilith crowns. They were there powering up Chaos Psychers, but they were also designed to just bring the raw force of the warp into the planet's atmosphere, you know. They were made of Noctilla stone, harvested during all the different Black Crusades, imbued with chaos energy. Uh, and, you know, Ab- Abaddon had learned that black stone can be polarized to either attract chaos or repel it. And that this has been part of his strategy ever since. When there are deposits of black stone that repel chaos, he always strikes there first to destroy them. Uh, and when there's black stone that could be changed to attract chaos, he seizes it and changes it to his advantage. He chisels it with these dark runes and everything, and sorcerers can align it with the dimensional bleed of the warp, uh, making a massive psychic backlash. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. <laughs> Big chaos stargates. Yeah. I love chaos stargates. Yeah. <laughs> yes, please. So we've had Sanesh, and let's, uh, let's nurgle yeah, it let's up. Let's nurgle it up. So as... As we know from the first book, the Death Guard have sort of basically infiltrated Dontoria, mm-hmm. uh, particularly the Pravdus uh, subsprawl, appearing uh, from out of the depths, <laughs> led by uh, Plague Surgeon Zoculinsus, uh, had successfully basically unleashed the the Galapox plague upon the uh, the area. Uh, despite the sort of attempts of the Space Marines and the Aston Militarum to contain it, you know, they'd sent out search parties and the dudes fire bombs to to wear down the Death Guard, but you know death guard mm. dig in you know that's not how you know they they can do that again so uh Dontoria was basically rife with things like sludge grubs and <laughs> glitchlings and eye stinger swarms oh. and especially spread into these further and further mm. a lovely place uh take a picture <laughs> so the um the death guard weren't just targeting vigilus but basically the whole sector including nackmund gauntlet mm. uh so basically they had been sending pox filled chips uh out from the litmus dock uh into basically other parts of the sector uh despite the attempts of uh, rogue trader du languil um, which we touched mm. upon again in the first book so when the black legion basically came they came also with uh, three freighters of pox filled creatures who had basically came back from you know, from outer space to uh, add more misery Yay. to Vigilus, to add to all the other <laughs> misery that we've got. Uh, but the sort of the particular interesting point about this part was the was known as the the Purge of Dontoria. So basically, the Purge were a Nurgle warband mm. that detested the planet. Basically, they absolutely hated Vigilus with its industry and things mm. like that. And they're a very odd bunch. The Purge compared to other sort of Nurgle mm. warbands there. They're basically believers in that all life isn't mm. worth living, really. Lies in they should, every, no life should exist because uh, it's basically prone to corruption and things like that. So, um, so basically with their chaos faith, believing that all life needed to be destroyed, um, this is what they decided to do when they arrived. Uh, so initially they were there to destroy all the evil, but you know, the weakness and things like that, the weakness of man led them to believe that even the basic, the flora and the fauna were impure and needed to be destroyed as well. So in a way, this naturally clashed with the other Nurgle followers that were there, including the death guard, because obviously, even though obviously, as we know, Nurgle is about, you know, things like Mm. plague and pestilence, they are about life as well. Um, they didn't, you know, from their eyes, the purge, we're creating a wasteland it's like well no we don't want that thanks papa nurgle's not going to appreciate that um so the purge 
you know, carried on doing this. They targeted the great choke. They're, you know, basically, uh, look, you know, rubbing, rubbing their hands at all the pollution and in, you know, industry there going, oh, right, we're going to take all this down. So they, you know, started killing people. They were killing the Galapox infected because mm. they're thinking, well, no, you got to die as well while you're here. And basically they were burning all these bodies in the, in the industrial furnaces that were there, which in turn led to lots of fumes that in turn, wiped out nearby mm. life and you know and, and plant life and animals and things like that um basically this continued for months area by area with the pollution spreading you know wiping out the weak and you know the strong would survive for a bit but then they would eventually die to the galaplox mutants that were there so <laughs> you know everyone's mm. a loser really uh but at this point the death guard had enough of the purge thinking no no you cannot go ahead and do this so they turned on mm. them you know so because basically their garden had been turned into a, like a soot wasteland yeah. uh so the death guard thought you know what sod the imperials don't worry about that we're gonna ta- you know target the purge so uh they started fighting each other and you know <laughs> death guard and and nurgle being nurgle a huge stalemate yeah. happens you know we're basically the ultimate losers were the the, the community mm. and the people there because you know, they're basically were dying to plague an infection or just getting caught in the crossfire of these two forces at each other. Even Abaddon just looked from afar. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, lovely place. So, yeah, th- things are really not good. They need they need something to turn this around for the Imperials because what are we going to do if the good guy fascists don't win? Uh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> uh, so th- this section is appropriately titled Of Man and Xenos. Um so yeah, mm. the situation across Vigilus is dire. Most of the planet is literally on fire at this point. Uh, the the most of the citizenry has access to maybe a thimbleful of water at dawn and another thimbleful at dusk. Uh, if Lucian Agamemnus, the planetary governor, hadn't had the inspired idea of tying water distri- distribution to clocking in and out of work at the start and end of each day, the infrastructure would have collapsed entirely. You know, nothing would be done. Uh, you know, you can't travel between regions because there's orc hunters shrieking along on bikes, there's helldrakes, and, um, the data saint, the thing that calculates trajectories for communication on the moon of Neovellum, is really being thrown off by the Vulian anomaly, so communication is even more difficult than before. Uh, there's chaos everywhere, it's, spires are toppling every hour as, uh, the anomaly sort of pulls at the planet's tectonic plates and causes these massive earthquakes. Uh, you know, Neovellum's surviving relay stations also report that the perimeter of the Great Rift is expanding towards Vigilus, uh, probably to do with that massive cache of blackstone that Abaddon blew up, uh, suddenly no longer <laughs> holding back the rift on that side of the planet. Uh, and, you know, it's, you know, collating all that data, it's definitely true that the Great Rift is getting closer to Vigilus at this point. Uh, some people even say that they see these leering faces within the phenomenon. Uh, lots of astropaths report visions of a clawed hand crushing at a throat, uh, which they interpreted as the Nakman gauntlet being closed by an influx of chaotic energy. Uh, there were a lot of drastic courses of action, uh, considered, uh, the Vigilus Senate was advocating for quarantine or even exterminatus, uh, but Vigilus was sort of the linchpin of the entire sector, and you can't yield the Nakamun gauntlet without abandoning the Dark Imperium, and Gilliman did say Vigilus will not fall, and you don't want to make Gilliman a liar, do you? He did. You don't want to disappoint Papa G. No, no. Uh. The Ultramarines themselves would definitely prefer to fight to the last 
bolter shell <laughs> before disappointing their beloved gene father. <laughs> uh, and, <laughs> you know, but, you know, Gilliman also did something very unusual way back. He did set a very strange precedent. Uh, inspired Marnie's mm. Calgar to an act of diplomacy that made everyone else feel a little weird. Uh, <laughs> now, first off, the Pauper Princes and Cruel Dacus Speedwar had made a significant headway battling the Chaos Forces. You know, uh, all the after-action reports uh, paint all these battles where not a single Imperial asset had been assigned, but Chaos was being driven back or even destroyed totally. But whenever... Whenever the orcs or the Genie Seal cultists win a fight, they soon round on the Imperial forces nearby. There were also stories of orc mercenaries that offered their services to the Imperial Guard in exchange for tanks. And, uh, Pedro Cantor personally requested information on this. A commander actually took them up on the offer. Commander Nerog Van Thryn actually won back the outskirts of the Magentine Vales using a combined Astro Militarum armor assault and orc mercenaries but was then promptly shot by a commissar for heresy. Uh, <laughs> which, uh, you know, yeah, they're, they're orcs. They were probably about, they were probably about sense, to grab yeah. the tanks and just drive over the Imperial lines. Uh, the Senate said, no, we definitely can't have an alliance with the orcs. They're too savage. They're too brutal. The second we can't show them an enemy directly in front of them, they'll turn on us. We definitely can't ally with the Gene Steeler cultists. That is gross. It was basically all their mouths are there. They're, they're too impure. Um, but we need allies from somewhere. No one was willing to talk about the Eldar. Uh, you know, everyone knows that Gilliman made a pact in the middle of Macrag with some Eldar in recent memory within the last couple of hundred years. But to truck with the alien invites disaster, no one wants to get in the way of the Simhan Eldar who are... Not very happy. Uh, again, in Vigilist Defiant, we learned that uh, one of their leaders had been killed because the Imperial Senate thought he was a Drukari because they don't recognize the differences between different sects of Eldar. <laughs> like, you know, Kalgar's own guards, many of them had fallen uh, when Simhan Eldari had shown up with a bunch of Wraith Guard in sort of a revenge attack. Um, and Kalgar was not happy about this decision. But on the second night, after the Vulian anomaly appeared, he marched out of the Senate with his guards and um, rendezvoused with the first company of the Ultramarines, crossed the, the Ring of Nothingness out to where Eldari forces were still warring with the Tempestus Scions and the Adeptus Oratus. Uh, and, you know, you gotta, you gotta talk sometimes. But to talk, you gotta get in the right yeah. position. So Kalgar joined the fight. He tried not to kill anyone, but he did have to kill a few people. Uh, but when the Eldar was sort of pinned in place, trapped, uh, when there was a brief lull in the fighting and he called for parley. Uh, likely, this wouldn't have worked, but a visionary Farseer named Keltok was in charge of this particular uh, assault by Simhan. Uh, he was the former advisor of Kelinaris, who was the one who his brother had died and triggering this whole cycle of blood vengeance. He longed to avenge that crime, but some things come first. You know, the future of the galaxy comes first. So a ceasefire was called, exactly. and there was a confluence of interests ready to come on. How about you tell me about the, uh, the Penumbral Pact? Yes, let us see how this went mm. down. So Ultramarines and Eldar... You know, Alliance seemed crazy, but as we know, Gilliman and Ruvrain had happened before, so why not again? So the future had been seen by 
Farseer Keltok, seeing Abaddon taking over the Imperium, uh, Nihilus, and then obviously the great em- enemy would take advantage and couldn't let mm. this happen. Keltok basically approached Kalgar as he was bellowing in Saint's ha- Haven and and physically, uh, you know, or sorry, psychically told the Eldar ceasefire. Let's see what the what he has to say. Uh, so basically, they find a middle ground with Kalgar uh, explaining about you know the wonders of Macrag, you know the threats, including the Black Legion and especially the rape ship with the Ravain, uh, which really meant something, you know. So you know it made it sort of hit home with the Eldar. So the um, the fighting stopped mm. and they uh, planned to deal with the common enemy, uh, knowing that sort of Sam Han. Uh, and not really the most forgiving of Eldar. This sort of led to people questioning how Kalgar won them over in the end. Uh, but his conversations with Keltok were permanently removed from the mm. records. Mm. Ooh, secretive. <laughs> with only his Victrix guard basically knowing what was said. Uh, three things were known, though. Mm. Uh, Keltok and his advisors went to the governor's palace with Kalgar. Secondly, the doors were barred to all. And thirdly, all the uh, council, including, you know, like Lucine Agamemnus and Proctor Commander Venadar, were never seen mm. again. So stuff went down. Um, so now the Eldar joined the Imperial War effort and even lent them something very special, which is the, the Vald's mm. Ghost, which is basically their prized stealth ship, which had previously been sort of a bane to the, um, the Imperials before mm. this. Uh, basically, this is where a plan sort of started formulating. The plan was to use the ship to intercept the Vengeful Spirit, basically bait Abaddon and take his attention. Then he would target the thing that Abaddon held dearest, mm. which will see about soon uh, and that's not his fellow spa- uh, chaos space no, marines because no. <laughs> to him they're just all <laughs> tools uh basically if this plan worked it would be fully justified if it failed then literally everything would yeah. be lost so other chapter masters were sort of horrified <laughs> when he explained this plan that was about to happen but they sort of grudgingly accepted you know especially if the eldar and chaos would inadvertently hopefully wipe each other out mm, in the process yeah. So this led to a, a lovely little agreement, uh, which is known as the Deadly Cargo. Uh, so basically, the first part of uh, Kalgar's plan was to get hold of the six Death Strike missiles that were owned by uh, Dinos Agamemnus, uh, which had been carefully guarded away, basically for show, uh, with two of them armed with Vortex warheads. Uh, basically, use, you know, Kalgar used his title, ready for this, Regent mm-hmm. of Ultramar, an apparent of Triarchy, and the Chapter Master of the Ultramarines. He basically created a parchment with the words of Rubuti Gilliman, which basically said, Vigilus would not fall, uh, sort of signed it. He then flew over to Lord Dinos and said, look, here's a bit of paper. It's basically saying, I promise that me and, you know, on behalf of the Primarch himself is, we're not going to let it fall uh, while I'm here, because I'm doing that. Can I have your <laughs> missiles, please? Um, so... Dinos flatly refused, saying, look, these are for show. I've, you know, been looking after these for years. You're not just going to go and... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... um and, you know, he said to Kalgar, I'm going to block you any way possible, mm. you know, dem- in a democratically, whatever. Kalgar thought, okay, then grabbed him by the scruff of the neck and threatened, you know, threatened him basically, you know, hang him over the edge. <laughs> and Dinos was like, oh, okay, all yeah, right, okay, yeah. yeah, you can have them. <laughs> and uh, Kalgar said thanks very much and went mm. upon his way. Yeah. So this alliance with the Eldari is going to be fruitful. It's going to work well. It's going to go great. It's fantastic. It's fine, guys. <laughs> you know, working with Xenos <laughs> always goes well. Um, so, there's, there's, <clears throat> look, there's one thing Eldar are really good at, and it's distraction tactics. 
So, Simhan, in particular, these are the Eldar they're working with, are known for their speed and skill at riding, whether it be jet bikes, wave serpents, etc. Being bright red and traveling at a breakneck, breakneck pace, they catch the eyes of every speed freak they go near, so they, they, they're <laughs> really, really good distractions for orcs, in particular. Dozens of different wild rider clans took part in Farsia Keltok's initiative uh, that he likened to the great myth known as the goading of the Igbulls. Uh, effectively, <laughs> they purposely slowed down whenever they were about to outpace all the speed freaks, and then as soon as speed freaks were about to catch up, they <laughs> zoomed ahead. Uh, occasionally, uh, there were issues with this tactic. All the shock jump dragsters of Mechstop City uh, were able to get the better of the Simhand Riders. In particular, at one point, uh, speeds are known as the Red Bullet teleported in front of all the Eldar vehicles. <laughs> Uh, which was a unit of warlocks known as the Seven Snakes, and destroyed them utterly with corkscrew rockets and plasma rounds. But for the most part, the orcs were led on a merry dance across the wastelands. When they were frantic with the desire to wreak havoc, the Eldar drove straight into the teeth of a Chaos Space Marine strongpoint in the area. As bullets begin to fly and a dangerous crossfire blooms, uh, they then turn their steeds vertically and ride up into a psychic lightning storm, summoned to cover their tracks. The crowning glory of this, of course, was when wave serpents, all power diverted to shields, led seven full blitz brigades into a char- in, in a headlong charge towards the super heavy assets and traitor titans of the Legio Decapitorum, which... God, that's a cool-sounding Titan Legion. Uh, <laughs> that is, isn't it? Yeah, so they had these blood-mad orcs suddenly pouring into their rear lines. They had Imperial defenses in front of them. The Chaos forces kind of found themselves uh, a bit up shit creek without a paddle, to put it uh, colloquially. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, you know, it's a development that can't be ignored. A hundred warlords eager to earn Abaddon's favor flooded to these regions, looking to turn things around and win a victory. Uh, meanwhile... Kalgar, the Imperial Navy, and Keltok knew that the battle for new Vitae docks was the only actually important one at the time. Uh, this Mortwald aerial base was sending every Valkyrie and bulk lander it could into low orbit, despite being under heavy siege. The vast majority were completely empty, but six of them held a single Death Strike missile each, two of them with Vortex warheads. In the orbital battle uh, between the Imperial Fleet and the Chaos Armada, the Imperial Navy made a concerted attack on the fleet, darting in when there were blind spots, sort of like a, a pack of whales attacking, uh, killer whales attacking a blue whale, sort of darting and taking chunks where they can. They lost 80% of their number to the overlapping broadsides of Abaddon's fleet, but did enough damage to make a credible last-ditch assault. Uh, but there was only one ship that mattered in this. Falls Ghost rendezvoused with the Valkyries and the Landers, uh, bringing the Death Strike missiles into orbit transferred them into its own cargo hold, and then cloaked and made its way towards the Vengeful Spirit. Ooh. Ooh. What's going to go down? <laughs> so, it's coming to a head. So, let's uh, talk about the fight you've all been waiting for. The fight between Abaddon and Kalgar that uh, we oh, knew was yeah. always going to happen. Yeah. You know, Abaddon wouldn't be able to resist this. So... 
the tales of the Battle of Saints Haven, you know, said in history that it was a fight of blades, armour, and even ideologies. What a great place to for this to happen. Mm-hmm. So basically, Calgar's battle plan had a slim chance of basically coming, you know, coming mm-hmm. to fruition. Uh, fellow advisors even thought so, but he yeah. had to. You know, the, the planet was literally in chaos. <laughs> you know, there's just, they had to, <laughs> desperate measures and all that. So his fellow commanders were winning, you know, little battles here and there, but, you know, there would always be another battle, another uprising. So, you know, it was just a losing battle. So the theory of the, the Vitae Scryer Jessalts uh, that were on, obviously on the, the base yeah. of the moon type planet is uh, that the population had been halved, tw- ha- halved yeah. twice. So it was halved and well, then halved again. <laughs> so, but, but uh, Calgar was not even contemplating exterminatus. You know, said, no, this is not going to happen. So um, at this point, the uh, the chapter master of the Necropolis Hawks got involved, uh, challenging Calgar, you know, with the Codex Astartes. Uh, and basically Calgar said, Gilliman said, Vigilus cannot fall. So that's what's not <laughs> going to happen. So uh, <laughs> so then he went to the highest point in Saints Haven that wasn't on fire. Yeah, like I said, yeah. everything's on fire, but this particular <laughs> part wasn't, which is the Irie of uh, Reflection. And basically he formed a living fortress of Victress and Extremist Guard and then challenged Abaddon one-on-one, winner take all, winner takes Vigilus, <laughs> throwing it down. So uh, word got to Abaddon via Harkin World Claimer. Abaddon, you know, sort of smiling, thing. <laughs> I've got a demon sword and the Talon of Horus. Uh, what you got? Uh, so Abaddon appeared, you know, using basically the fallen librarian from earlier, or Sandus, basically used the teleportarium in the Citadel, uh, Citadel Vigilant uh, to basically come in all guns blazing. So he teleported with his elite Terminators and his demon allies, you know, the the bringers of despair, uh, you know, and they came down blazing, combi bolters and all that. So Calgar at this point was now open, his defences you know, because basically he'd had sort of certain defences against assassins while he was part of the Senate, but they were brought down. Uh, his guard were counterattacking against the attack, so you've got like these twelve millennia old traitors mm. and these Victrix guard basically all all dying as they're <laughs> fighting each other. But obviously, most importantly, of note, Abaddon was closing in on Calgar, mm. and this is where the fight begins between them. You know, as imagined, the fight begins going backwards and forwards. Calgar, you know, is obviously now with his Primaris. Uh, state obviously now he's quicker than he was before so he's you know at this point with his, his armor of uh heraclus was you know keeping keeping him on mm. board with uh, abaddon at this point you know using you know f- firing off his gauntlets of ultramar to keep abaddon at bay you know at this point as well you've got you know space marine reavers suppressors and scouts are basically looking you know through their sights of their guns obviously not <laughs> literally a couple of feet away but they were basically looking at the site uh, through their sights to see you know they're noticing calgar's holding back um, you know, and obviously trying to keep Abaddon occupied as much as possible. Uh, obviously, Abaddon is starting to lose his rag at this point, thinking, come on, let's get this over and done with. So he uses the combi bolter on the Talon of Horus uh, to take out the floor around Calgar, who momentarily loses balance. Abaddon sort of jumps in, rips off one of the gauntlets, obviously, you know, taking out basically part of his arm mm-hmm. at the same time. Calgar retaliates with his, with basically in essence a yeah, dragon punch yeah, uppercut with a bare hand. You know. uh, he goes all <laughs> yeah with a bare hand he just goes all ryu on him and just goes you know i was expecting a hadouken <laughs> afterwards um but obviously you know knocks abaddon back you know shake you know with breaking his jaw furious abaddon attacks with his uh with his demon sword 
Calgar blocks it with his other gauntlet. Obviously, you know, being his uh, big ass demon sword, it goes straight through the gauntlet. It chops off two fingers and then it bursts both his hearts. Calgar mm. loses both hearts at this point. Uh, so it seems all, all gone for, you know, the Imperials at this point. But then out of nowhere, as this happens, Harkin, you know, gets in contact with Abaddon saying, the Vengeful Spirit is on the verge of destruction mm. and is looking to warp jump. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, uh, so essentially Abaddon knows the Vengeful Spirit is worth more than Vigilus. It's almost a one-of-a-kind battleship. There's very few Gloriana-class battleships in existence. And if it makes the jump now, the uh, the fleet commander will probably take it for his own and Abaddon might not find it for centuries. <laughs> He'll find it eventually, but it's not worth losing it here. <laughs> Kalgar's defeated. He's won. Nope. Uh, Draknien, his sword is not very happy about this. It wants him to finish it off, finish Kalgar off immediately. Uh, but Abaddon sends forward all the possessed he'd brought with him, teleports out with his Terminators. He needs, he needs his ship. Uh, the possessed sort of run in. They, uh, stalk around Kalgar. He is dead white on the floor. But, uh, you know, the possessed can get to him. They punch through the guards around him. But the Belisar Infernus, one of the three Primaris organs, triggers and gives him a last rush of stimulants to give him a single burst of energy to get to one knee and then batter it away, batter a greater possessed away and shoot it down. Uh, and his guard shield around him, pull him back to a storm raven. A pair of veteran apothecaries sort of begin stabilize him, stabilizing him, but he refuses to lie down for treatment. He stands tall, salutes his men, tells them to take the fight to the traders in the streets, and then collapses and is taken to a med suite. <laughs> uh, his, his, now this is interesting. He survived, but only his secondary heart was able to be saved. He lost his primary heart completely. Uh, Mm-hmm. He was not seen on the front line of bat- of the battlefield from then on, ever at Vigilus. He was never seen fighting again thus far. Uh, but he, you know, continued to command from the heart of the Senate. He's diminished in his stature by these grievous wounds that he's literally can't fight as well as before. But his mind is as strong and sharp as ever, and that's what let him win this particular victory. He managed to deny Abaddon his prize of Vigilus, not through sheer force of arms, but through courage, honor, and cunning. But it was still the, the losing battle. You can't win, Vigilus. You can only survive. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, meanwhile, in space, the Imperial yeah. Navy had basically been wiped out, but it was enough to distract them from Fall's ghost uh, with its stealth sensors and everything going off. Uh, and the Eldar drove it full force into the side of the ship at massive speed, detonating all six of the missiles at once. Uh, in particular, the Vortex missiles obviously opened a warp rift, uh, so that began eating yep. about at the ship. The issue with the Ventral Spirit is it's literally too big to drive away from this easily, and so they had to do an emergency warp jump to escape, uh, which is why Calgar had to leave, uh, not Calgar, why Abaddon had to leave so quickly, because if he'd waited any longer, it would be gone. <laughs> yes. Oh, turn, turn of, of events. events. So, <laughs> so despite Abaddon leaving, his legions, you know, still carried on their destruction mm. uh, upon Vigilus, but relief was sort of generally felt around the planet, especially in the Hyperia high sprawl. Uh, Space Marines were taking advantage of the disruptive Chaos Marines, because obviously without Abaddon and the Vengeful Spirit around, they were sort of 
you know, at odds with each other as they sort of kind of do. So, you know, traitors were fighting each other. Uh, in other parts, the Admech uh, you know, continue to fight against the Gene Stealers and Chaos with their massive reserves that they saved from previous civil wars. Um, so basically, they just had so many Skatari that it didn't really mm. matter <laughs> that they were getting killed a lot of the time. They just had so many numbers that they could basically dig in and protect, you know, the uh, their part of the planet. So then the World Eaters uh, turned against the Admech and obviously caused the Admech to struggle at this point. So Fabricator Vorsch uh, formed an alliance with the Iron Hands and basically countered against the World Eaters, basically using the Admech numbers and the sort of calculated strikes of the Iron Hands to sort of basically divide and conquer them. Uh, over in Mega Borealis, Silo 15, which we know had been sort of destroyed where the, uh, the Blackstone had been, but secretly the Admech had hidden Blackstone away on different parts of the planet, away from the eyes of the Chaos Space Marines. Oh, those crafty <laughs> admec uh ultimately the planet's ability to hold open a channel uh between itself and its twin planet of the sanguia terra uh, via the black backstone spears was damaged but not destroyed um now switching to the uh the vulian swirl you know obviously now that it dissipated basically because of you know the uh the event that happened earlier the the citadel vigilant was now exposed the dark angels naturally bolted towards it and obviously the white scars joined them you know to sort of help uh, obviously reinforce the dark angels but also to know why they bailed them on mm. on them previously again back in the first book they sort of left the white scars to fight uh orcs yeah. i believe at the time so uh but were trapped frozen via this all of a sudden the white scars were like trapped in in time you know well, that just frozen as a, a stasis weapon hit them. But then obviously it turned out later, it was actually the dark talons of the uh, dark angels that do it, did it at the time. So despite, uh, you know, despite obviously what had happened, they, you know, the dark angels fight had fought with ferocity and they gradually took down the walls of the, the Citadel vigilant. Uh, and the records are basically gone now. And as but said that the dark angels took a, you know, a lot of casualties, uh, probably due to their, you know, which sort of led to their, quick departure shortly after the siege and then eventually when unfrozen the white scars turned up uh, to find no one left no corpses uh the void core had been disabled with its core and key sort of machinery parts had been taken and the you know the anomaly of uh, that was happening earlier was nothing more so yeah Ooh, more uh, mystery more or less there's just the aftermath uh so mm-hmm. hyperia is still contested the capital hive still has a chance to be saved Dirkden and Oaktech are officially considered lost. Dontoria is entirely quarantined. Uh, Kalex Bane down on the southern ice shelves is more cold and hostile than ever before. Uh, because fighting against the Thousand Suns there, the Drukhari used stolen terraforming technologies to summon blizzards, conjure swaths of permafrost, and form endless snowdrifts. Uh, then they gathered hundreds of thousands of slaves from the riding districts of Dirkden, Oaktech, and Mortwald. Transported them back to Komara with no small amount of Adeptus studies, including Necropolis Hawks, uh, Primaris Marines. But then they left. Uh, the Asuriani, the uh, <laughs> Craftworld Eldar, choose, chose to withdraw as well. Uh, you know, the Aquilarian Council, Council had been dismantled, many of its members killed, in particular the Hyperion branch of the Agamemnus dynasty, their advisors, and the Imperial Guardsmen and Tempest Assigns who had killed uh, the war leader in Vigilus Defiant. Uh, they considered their blood debt to Simehan settled. Uh, Vol's ghost would be mourned because it could not easily be replaced, but the sacrifice was worthwhile. A decisive blow like that was worth a hundred vessels and more. 
No one's sure exactly what happened to Kruldaka's speedwar. Uh, in the cityscapes, the forces of the orcs were more or less spent. Uh, you know, they fought against the Imperial forces, then the Chaos forces, but the wastelands were still filled with basically nothing but orcs. Uh, Neovellum surviving <laughs> orcs stations took picked captures of long dust trails showing that the orcs are still riding around like crazy out there. Uh, uh, rumors say about two-thirds of the scrap cities were still fully operative, and the orcs were a very real continual threat to anyone venturing across the wastes. Uh, worse still, word had got out in the orc community, it had gone along the grapevine, that our vigilance was the site of a really, really big fight. Like, massive, really. Um, so from all over the Nakhwin subsector, orc fleets had already set course for Vigilus. Uh the pauper princes, uh, including the surviving grandsire worm, first and second generation hybrids, and gene stealer pure strains, uh, sort of hurled themselves back against the chaos invaders. They took over Dirkden, but their uprising had been extremely premature. Again, remember this gene stealer cult rose up because of the threat of an orc invasion, not because the high fleet was nearly here. So their long plans for conquest are sort of in tatters. Uh, most of them look to the skies, hoping for the sign of Tyranids coming to save them. Uh, but all that was up there was the Great Rift. Uh, most of the Imperium's foes had handily killed each other or chosen to leave. So, uh, yay, Imperial, total, total 100% victory, not at all a stalemate. <laughs> of any kind uh you know the the preachers and commissars talked of hope amid the terror they spoke of victory all but one it was always darkest before the dawn even though there's choking soot in the air mm-hmm. and raging wildfires on every horizon the long journey towards recovery had begun but uh the planet itself endured the Nakhman gauntlet was narrowed so traveling along it is even more dangerous now but it's still it's still possible to get from the dark imperium to the imperium proper but uh, Neo-Vellum's mm-hmm. Lunar Choir, so the Astropathic Choir, was able to establish a connection back across the rift to the uh, to Holy Terror and the Light of the Astronomican. But a shadow of trepidation began to settle once they got clear visions, because the messages from the Imperium proper spoke of a monstrous evil first seen during a battle for the stars themselves, something that could destroy worlds with the simple power of a blazing Ooh. lance covered in blood from a holy crucible a dozen senior astropaths scrutinized the meaning of this the battle for the stars themselves was the gothic war one of the black crusades that was so violent that suns died in its wake the blood from a holy crucible spoke of sangua terra whose name translated from high gothic to the blood of the earth the crucible in which the human race itself was born (laughs) so again vigilus is on the dark imperium side of the nakamund gauntlet i believe so sangua terra is on the proper imperium side of the gauntlet and uh messages saying this isn't good uh the lance ready to destroy a world was none less than that wielded by abaddon's former flagship felcraft's name spoken in hushed tones its import clutching at the heart with a cold claw of dread the planet killer Uh, so yeah so you know vigilus is safe for now kind of sort of maybe but <laughs> some terror on the other side of the gauntlet maybe not so much might might just be annihilated yes. off screen for all we know it was all yeah, for naught we'll, we'll see, see. So, <laughs> yeah so 
Yeah, hope you've enjoyed that little, uh, little. <laughs> rundown of yeah, what's little. going on. <laughs> little, yeah, on 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 Vigilus. So yeah, hope you've enjoyed mm. that bit. Uh, so it ties in nicely when we covered the first book. Uh, so we're going to take a very well needed mm. break, uh, and then when we return, we're going to go search for a Holy Grail. Back soon, and we are back. Back for the final part of the show. Where, as we said earlier, we're going to be poking the Bretonian bear because we're talking about a subject that clearly means a lot to a lot of people. So yeah. uh, we're basically asking the question, should law-wise the Bretonians be brought back to Age of Sigmar? So as always with discussion topic, uh, me and Cameron will give our own little thoughts of sort of yes and no. Um, and then we're going to trawl through all the listener replies via Discord and Twitter, mm. and we will try and get through them as quickly as possible because there's a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we'll, we'll try and get every single one. There's a possibility we will miss one or two there. Yeah, that just may <laughs> so, happen. We'll try as we'll best. Do our best. To, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's get let's get onto it. Uh, Cameron, uh, do you think they should mm. be brought back to AOS? You got any yes reasons? <sighs> I think. Yes, because it can still be a good concept. Like I think Bretonians could still be fun to play and interesting to play and could be interesting in the concept in the context of the model realms. Like yeah. I I it's been spread out among a few things now, but I still love the idea of the crusading knights and then the downtrodden peasants and like the the contradiction in this, because the Bretonians, from the knight's point of view, were always this fairy tale faction. like, oh, we're so chivalric and noble and brave and bold, and then we also have this herd of dirty peasants that we throw in front of us to absorb <laughs> arrows. And they know that life's awful and horrible and grim and just not great. And I think that's still a really nice dynamic to have those two sides to a faction. Yeah. Uh, but it would have to be revamped somehow for Age of Sigma just to make it fit in the separate realms rather than. Cause you can't really do a battle tone for AOS where the faction is entirely cons- confined to one small section of one realm. Yeah. Because you need, you need to be able to let them break free. Break um, free. Yeah, but I think it could be good. You could have them like uh, have them as the order equivalent to Skaven in the, in the way that Skaven can tunnel through reality. Have these guys able to crusade through reality? Like, you know, the, the lead knight swings his sword and cuts a path to another realm, and on they go on the glorious crusade as all the peasants drag all their crap behind them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or something like that. I think it, it could be cool. It yeah. could be good. Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds cool. Um, <clears throat> have you got any no reasons? Uh, no, because if they just do them as the straight French uh a, analogy it's not going to analog i should say it's not going to work well it, ne- it needs something a little more unique than that like the idea of a cool crusading force that has some downtrodden poor folk that they keep around is good the straight up they are french is not going to cut it in the model realms i think there needs to be yeah. something more interesting than just that yeah 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 i yeah i wouldn't disagree with that i mean i think in sort of Yes, I would say you could uh, that make the Lady of the Lake join the the pantheon of the gods, mm. uh, you know, with Sigmar and Ariel and you know, you know, it'd be one of those sort of down on the ground gods, may, maybe as, yeah. as you call them, really, like Nagash or, or and Ariel, a demigod, I guess. Yeah, demigod. So, the god spots are already technically taken. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, <laughs> so I think Lady of the Lake 
you know, could have an angle mm. to, you know, to, you yeah. know, from, you know, from a buffing point of view and things like mm. that. I saw, like, I, sorry, Karen. The, the, the green knight could fit well as again, mm. one of those demigod figures as well. Yeah, absolutely. It could be similar to, to, to the, um, yeah. yeah, it could be <laughs> sort of similar to the, um, like the Celestant Prime, similar to, to that. Mm. Just comes mm. down when needed most. So that could yeah. work. Uh, it could, you can have a tie in with orcs, uh, cause, mm. you know, throughout the history back in the, the old world, Britonia, I mean, obviously fought everyone, but they had, they got massive history against orcs. Uh, and orcs, mm. you know, especially like the Iron Jaws and Bone Splitters now in AOS are a bit, uh, not redundant, but I mean, I'm in the sense that they, they, I always feel sometimes they need a bit more with them like you know you know yeah. lore wise and, yeah. and story wise i think they're they're sort of just out causing destruction which i know that's what yeah. they're there to do but it feels like they could do with a bit more of a push sometimes so i think yeah you could have some massive you know war between those two particularly um i mean picking up on what you said about like the nobility peasant divide i mean that could work with like free guilds and the free peoples yeah, you, know, you yeah. could sort of see because obviously the free guilds have got their own regiments you could sort of see where they could potentially clash with them you know where they're like mm. you know where the bretonians get a bit on their <laughs> uh, on their high house no a high horse <laughs> no pun intended yeah. but it, <laughs> it, it's uh you know, you could have something going on there. I think when it comes to the no side of things, I think the reality is, like you said, in their current state, they don't fit. They would be very mm. strange with that, with their aesthetics. I don't think that they, they would stand out in a bad way. I think they just wouldn't, you know, like we said with the yeah. French aesthetics of, you know, these knights, I just, it, it's got no place in the current setting. Again, with a bit of tweaking, maybe. Um, I was thinking as well, how would they be explained as well? Um, I mean, I know you could obviously put in that the, the free guilds and the free peoples, you know, they've decided, you know what, we're going to start, you know, bring, being, chivalrous and you know bring back this sort of thing but i i again i don't think it has a place big enough yeah. in aos because when we spoke when we touched upon stories like when i was talking about um like calcent hall and heart of winter where you're seeing like the the every man and every woman in in uh aos or the day on the ground you're not talking about stormcast and mm. things like that you know that is very interesting but i think would you have these people, you know, decided to become knights and, and they, I don't know, you know, I mean, it just doesn't, not in that mm. sense. I think in the sense yeah. of, right, we've we got to defend against the forces and the gash turning up, but I don't know if these have, yeah, I don't think they've got a place. And I think it's one of those situations where even though in a weird way, I was thinking of very cool reasons in my head why I think they could, you know, where you could fit them in like Lady of the Lake and, and things mm. like that. I just don't think, they, my aunt, like if I had to put, you know, you had to put a gun to my head, I would say no. I would say no, don't bring mm. back Bretonians. Yeah. I yeah. don't think they're right for this oh. new setting. God, I just had a good idea though. So, you know okay. how we've got different storm hosts and different enclaves and everything with every faction? Yep. Right? Knights of the Realm, right? <laughs> oh, <what an> <laughs> literally, ha- literally have this as like a free guild, even if it's part of like a free guild battle tome have it so as a specific allegiance is knights of the realm and mm-hmm. they get different they get different orders depending which realm they're from so if you're yeah. if your army as a whole is from shimon you have the knights of you know knights of the brass shield or whatever mm-hmm. they do more yep. shimonian things or from if they're from gur they are the, the you know the demigriff riders like from uh the shadow spear that kind of thing 
all kinds of stuff. Shadow Spear, Spear of Shadows. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> too many, too many things with same titles. Uh, but I like I, you could get the nightly aesthetic there, but then it would have to be like in terms of making an actual kit, it would have to be like a super versatile one with different realm ornaments yeah. and everything, which is yeah. difficult. Yeah, that would work. No, no, I get that. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Think, I think that is where. Yeah, I think as they are, as a you know, if they had their own battle tome and things like that, it wouldn't work. Mm. I think they'd, they'd yeah, you'd have to do too much stretching of things. But like I said, putting mm. them as like an elite you know, realm dependent force with the free guilds. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That could work. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. So I think, well, I th- yeah, you know, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> if ever. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I don't think it, we'll see I don't if think... ever. Yeah. Right. No, they're, okay. They're probably not. <laughs> exactly. What does everyone else think, Matt? What well, does everyone else think? Oh, I know. They, we, there's uh, many voices saying, I've got an opinion. <laughs> so let's, uh, <laughs> right. Do you want to, do you want to kick off on discord? A couple yeah, we've got on there. Yeah. So a uh, good friend of the show, Alan Inche, uh, butchered that i'm sure uh says absolutely who doesn't like a team of noblemen riding horses while chasing flocks of peasant towards the enemies come see the violence inherent of the system uh but enough python references yeah i always like the diversity of the human race including norsemen with their mammoths and like i feel that's a good point we don't Mm. have enough focus on like normal people yeah in age of sigma like we're, we're seeing more and more in the fluff and the lore but there's not in factions apart from the free guild anything that focuses on these are still technically normal people yeah yeah no i'd agree Mm. um who's next so there's a couple that sort of you can sort of morph together really uh math said uh they'd have to have completely rejected the fact that the old world is gone still crusading like they did maintain their sanity yeah again Mm. yeah you'd have to give them a focus that that again that sort of ties in how would you just all of a sudden explain why they're here um mm. so yeah i can i can get that and uh cheekily and we're going to see this quite often red shadow is yeah they said they've already released the bretonians i don't know what you're talking about and shown a picture of the flesh eater courts <laughs> battle tome <laughs> be prepared for that to be a common theme um, yeah yeah <laughs> so um do you want to do cool. the next uh, Drew, yeah. Drew's one Yet Drew64 says, I don't think they should return, aside from the fact that the vast majority of their background is essentially paraphrased French or Arthurian folklore. In Warhammer Fantasy Battle, they were a very specific culture from a very specific region. That doesn't translate well to this faction exists in all the realms, which all of the new factions do, so we don't currently have any realm-specific factions. Also, in a game with steampunk dwarves, goblins on bath salts, and elves <laughs> that swim through the sky, I think guys on horses are pretty meh aesthetic, personally. Yeah. <laughs> Much rather they took the good elements from them, the free guilds and the collegiate arcane, to create a new faction that fits into the Age of Sigma aesthetic. Yeah. 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 Totally agree. <laughs> totally agree. Uh, what else we got? Uh, smells like Zero Spirit. Yes, bring them back three more times. <laughs> They've already come <laughs> back from death as the flesh eater courts. Now the other three factions twist their souls and place them on monsters. Chaos, fantasy version of digger knobs on squigs, destruction, plain Jane version for order for those with existing collections. Oh, that's interesting. Well, that'd Spin, be interesting. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. You could spread them out, yeah. spread the love. <laughs> mm. Uh, and Sigmund Frood says, definitely bring them back. Make them a kind of outsider faction. The knights roam around holding court and recruiting locals. So they're not exactly order, but they're definitely not chaos or destruction or yeah. death. So I guess they're kind of neutral. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Right. And I b- believe that's it for Discord. It is. So good. we'll, we'll we gotta, switch. We've got to get on. 
<laughs> yes, we're now going to go through the avalanche that is Twitter. So, uh, right, I'll start with uh, Chuck Bell uh, at Chuck Bell 5. Uh, they did as the flesh eater courts. Seriously, though, while I think they're cool, I uh, just don't really think they fit the mortal realms as they are. I would like to see Free Guild have an option for a cavalry formation or take the core and turn it to 11. Yep. Yep. Cool. Uh, two plus tough at hey. tough underscore up. Little Warhammer celebrity here. Hey, yeah. I love your videos. By yeah, the way, I you're, like your you're one too. of my favorite YouTubers. Yeah. Uh, great question. I love the idea of a human faction based on the best parts of us: nobility, honor, sacrifice, and that's what Bretonians were to me. But I think they would need some drastically redone models to fit into the universe well. Yeah. Yeah. They need they need some new stuff if they're coming back. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, local at painter underscore local. I like them in Warhammer Fantasy Battle, but they don't fit into AOS. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, fair. Uh, Andy of the Ayat, at of the Ayat. No, because they're French. <laughs> <laughs> uh, joking. I feel they no longer have a place in Age of Sigma lore. A similar faction could arise for sure, but to have the exact same would be dull, in my opinion. Yeah. But fair enough. Fair point, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Micah at Rugby Skin. Well, a cavalry-based army is always fun. Now they can't trademark the Arthurian legend stuff but it'd be a great jumping off point thinking mountain klingons <laughs> <laughs> that'd be pretty good yeah <laughs> amazing oh man <laughs> dragon prince rob at evil kipper says no they were the feudal knights from a specific region of the old world i wouldn't be averse to a similar similar chivalric f- faction defending a city somewhere in a realm but it should be a new country history and background mm-hmm. yeah yep. that's fair uh let's see Okay, so we had a couple next of replies. <laughs> right, uh, yeah. right. Okay, next is only chapter master Valric uh, at CM Valric, <laughs> another big Warhammer YouTuber yeah. on the forty k sides. Uh, he says Bretts would actually make me play AOS. So fair enough. You've well, heard it here first. Yeah, bring him back. <laughs> Get him into a good game. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Amadeus Everlasting Gobstopper at Amadeus Hop- underscore Hopkins, uh, friend of the Twitter, says, yep. nope, they're boring. There it is, I've said it, lol. If you're going to play a King Arthur game, then play that, lol. Besides, Games Workshop can never get them right. They they were always too broken or too castrated to be any fun playing. The Empire did everything they did, only better. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> I guess they were kind of swingy back in the Warhammer Fantasy Battle days. <laughs> yeah, that is very true. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, next is Jimmy Carmine at Son of Ultramar. Uh, the same ascetic, sure, but let's not just regurgitate the old lore into a new setting. I would love to see some sort of high fantasy take on the Arthurian legend in the mortal realms. Mm, yeah, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, mm, go. I was going to say, oh yeah, because off the back of it, uh, Shafe at Shafecast uh, says uh, this in reply to that. There is so much scope for doing realm-specific variants as well. The Ulgu Camelot analogy, oh sorry, analog uh, would be cre- creepier than the Shimon Camelot with their shinier armor armor than any others. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I know all about Shimon and shiny armor now. Uh- yeah. <laughs> Uh, first claw at Inquisitor Ben says it doesn't really make sense to bring them back. I'd rather just have a proper human faction overall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair yep, enough. Yep. Uh, Patrick Ooh. at Not Saint Paddy. Uh, they have an a called <laughs> Order of the Fly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the there, uh, the Nerga boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a fair point actually. <laughs> um, 
owner of a lonely shart at zero 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 dollars. Are you okay, buddy? Um, <laughs> yes, because their bits were great for conversions, which that's a perfectly good reason to want them back. <laughs> yeah. There was some. I, I see a lot of good Stormcast with Bretonian heads, actually. Yeah. Which I quite like. Yeah, yeah. No, on board with that. <laughs> uh, next is Jimmy the Brush at Jimmy the un- <laughs> underscore the underscore brush. Uh, plenty of room for them to exist in the universe. Yeah, I suppose there is. Yep. We, you know, despite what we're saying, there's always room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, James Wilson at Chairman Asheth says they would be preferable to the old Empire models in use. Model humans need reworking to match the new aesthetic. No reason why Bretonian-like units can't be included in that for the realm of light or something. Paladins everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> uh, deal war games at Deal War Games. No, they were a dull, generic faction in old Warhammer and would seem even duller now. They're just French knights with some Arthurian stuff thrown in. Let's move on and make something more exciting, shall we? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I mean, shall I we? <laughs> Let's. Uh, Chris. Chris Reedy at CT Reedy says, no, they never really fit into the old world fluff either. Their existence was always the case of, oh, then Bretonia Crusader there too, I guess. Uh, they were an attempt to integrate Arthurian legend into Warhammer, and that just doesn't fit in the Age of Sigma setting. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, hobby from the eight, uh, a at a at hobby. Uh, I don't think we need to see them return. However, it'd be nice to see a mortal slash free guild style army as there are so many cool things you could do with that of which some of them uh could be some sort of knightly order sort of similar to what mm-hmm. you were saying earlier yep 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 uh desraun i'm probably butchering some form of french pronunciation at underscore death un- uh, at death underscore round uh says i've given up on the prospect of a proper human fantasy faction ever being added to age of sigma <laughs> Don't give up. Uh, don't 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 give up. There's always hope. Free guilds will come eventually. <laughs> exactly. I really really hope because free guilds are really cool. Exactly. I'm yeah. positive they will. Uh, next is uh, Inquisitor White at Aaron uh, Ortolani and just simply says with a big gift saying yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, that's a non-reply uh, going on. Noob with a brush at Brush Noob says, think they should be left in the old world where they were wiped out. Let the Flesh Eater Courts take over their position. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, Flesh Eater Courts, are, they think they're Bretonians, but yeah. are they really? Yeah. Un- until, we, until we can get ghouls riding bigger ghouls, I don't feel like it's quite the same. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Patch Owen at Patch Owen. I'd like to see them brought back as an army of green knights in the style of the Legion of the Damned, helping out people in people's darkest hour. I think it would pair well with the idea that Sigmar doesn't best PR after ditching the realms in the <laughs> Age of Chaos. As Someone yeah. else has to help, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> da, da, da. Here comes green yeah. knights. Uh, Frederick Thomas at King Atlan coming in with controversial takes. Uh, the end times were the best thing to ever happen to Bretonia. Oh, <laughs> straight to the heart. Ooh. Oh. With a little smiley face. Yeah. To, to just added <laughs> insult to injury. <laughs> uh, next is Legend at uh, Scrajar. Uh, I think I'll butcher that, but uh, this is the yeah. system that would make them shine. Grail knights with five wounds, hippogriff units, etc. The imagery alone, shining knights bounding from a realm gate when the hour is most dire. Yeah, that's quite that a nice really image. Like, actually. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, Tim Martin at Tim Martin 3. I'm not sure if they're still going to worship the lady or Sigma instead. Oh, yeah. Oh, think of that. Yeah, no, yeah. exactly. That would be an interesting take. 
Um, mm. Next is EC8 at uh, Assini. S, uh, I think. Yeah, Assini underscore 16. <laughs> it would be awesome, but GW won't do it. Can't trade my trademark a knight or no uh, so no dollars i'd take uh, i'd even take a cool mounted unit of free people but can't trademark horses if at least they hadn't nerfed them as bad as they did in 2.0 if that's not giving them the finger don't know what is <laughs> uh Darren, gaming nerd, brackets he, him. Thank you for giving me your pronouns. Makes life easier. Uh, <laughs> at Lost Stone 1980 says, not quite like the, they previously were. I'd prefer to see them return with a more natural feel to them. After all, wasn't the lady actually a Lariel? I'd, I, I, I don't know, maybe, actually. I can't remember. <laughs> no, I'd say I, I think don't... I remember something about that, actually. Uh, mm. I'd love to see a version of them with wooden stylized plate armor and other naturalistic styling and have them come from Gairan. Mm. That would, that would be cool. Uh, I really think a human army that takes visual cues from both the Wanderers and the Sylvaneth, but keeps the traditions of honor like uh, they originally had in the law, would be amazing to see on the battlefield. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, Piers Renfrey at Optimus Piers 666. Uh, <laughs> yes, I would like to see the models return, maybe as part of the Free People. Also, the Tomb Kings range as well. Both ranges had fantastic <laughs> models and could be incorporated <laughs> into AOS lore quite easily. Yeah, people feel strongly about uh, it. <laughs> Neil Dixon Jones at the Goated One, waiting for Age of Sigma to be binned, playing Total War Warhammer in the meantime. Oh, it's not, it's not that bad, but there's, there's always Ninth Age while you're at it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think that's a bit <laughs> harsh. <laughs> uh, uh, darker Design at Darker Designs 66. Uh, in, in quote marks, we are never going to stop supporting existing armies. End quotes. Jervis Johnson paraphrased again. That's another uh, another slight dig there. I think. Yeah. But, uh, well. No, uh, yeah. Yeah. I I don't know if they count as an existing army at this mm, point. Um, no. Catty at K Cadillac thirty five. Bring them back. I have thirty knights of the realm poised to trample any that would question the Lady of the Lake and sixty archers ready to black out the sky, as well as all the other units. Hashtag for the lady. Hashtag old hammer. Nice. nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next, uh, we've got Alex Vian at Alex de Anvolt. Uh, yes, duh. <laughs> Keeps it simple. <laughs> nice. Uh, uh, Mark Espressate at M E M Espressate says they should have never gone away as Camry. They could have been undead of order. For fuck's sake. Uh, at <laughs> least put out, put, Put out respect for those that had an army. Making them come back, sure. Just make a nice story. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. If just you, make a nice story. If you write it in well, if you write yeah, it in well, it'll work. Why not? <laughs> uh, next, Ned at Never Dead Ned. <laughs> oh, what a great name. <laughs> uh, yes, there's so many different cultures and people in the realms. It wouldn't be much of a surprise to have a knightly order like them around. Hell Plague Garden had a bunch of knights like Bretonians that turned to Nurgle by the lady, i.e. the uh, Order of the Fly. Mm. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, very good point. Uh, and Marshall Wyatt Yep at Over Marshall says, Brett's already in Age of Sigma. Let me follow this helpful link. <laughs> I'm sure it will take me to, yes, the Flesh Eater Courts. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think yours are in a different order to mine. Because <laughs> I don't see that one. Oh, yeah. Uh, right, who's next? So many. I think there's. <laughs> I think we're getting to the uh, end. Um, uh, uh, there's like one more from my perspective. Yeah, so. <laughs> so yeah. I think that's the one. Uh, tight ass, <laughs> Adronicus at Adronicus ass. They're already in AOS and has done a nice, a uh, very good artwork uh, of yes. the flesh eater courts. 
So that seems to be the prevailing opinion. Yes, indeed. Wow. Give me Wait. ghouls riding other ghouls. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Where is it? <laughs> I think what I like about all the replies is it is still extremely divided, wasn't it? If, without sort of doing the stats, mm. it's pretty much 50-50, I think, just get yeah. based on that. You know, there's a lot of people like, no, leave them there. You either and... love them or you hate them. <laughs> yeah, no, which is to be expected. But no, thank you very much mm. for all the lovely replies we've had on discord and twitter worth of notifications exactly yeah our phones are going (laughs) off all the time silent (laughs) (laughs) so no thank you very much for that and uh and that's going to be the end of this episode episode 26 uh hope you enjoyed it we've uh had extreme fun talking about vigilus and bretonians Mm. and obviously we're getting very excited about slanesh which if you know if thing, if we cross our fingers and hope things go the way they should next episode yeah. we'll be covering should the nights he- exactly so we'll Whoa. shall see very exciting <laughs> regardless we're going to cover it anyway but hopefully it should be timing wise next episode so look forward to that mm. uh and lastly before we sign off where can people find you on the internet cameron uh, you can find me on Twitter at night underscore twitten. That's night without a K. I'm not Bretonian myself. Uh, <laughs> you will find pictures of cats, complaints about sore muscles after moving. And uh, I like Endgame because it made me like Infinity War and Infinity War was a bad movie. Uh, <laughs> hot takes. Controversial. Uh, <laughs> How about you? Where can, where can the people find and potentially harass you? Uh, well, if they want to find and harass me, I'm on the Twitterverse as well, at NinjaBadger7, and I'm going to be watching Endwar tomorrow, so I'm looking forward to that and finally yeah. escape spoilers and all that sort of stuff. So, mm. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's us. Hope you've enjoyed this episode, and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye. Mm. Bye-bye.